everyone, and welcome to Between the Sheets, episode number 365. I'm your host, Chris Zellner, joined as always by my co-host, David Bix and Span and Bix. It's time to start year eight of Between the Sheets, a brand new year for us. A Vince McMahon-less year? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I would think I would think so. I mean, there's a, there there are the people that are skeptical, but um, I just I I think this is the end. I think there's no way around it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and we're not gonna. There's a lot of stuff we're expecting to happen that's not gonna happen right away because they don't want like mass exodus or cuts to make Wall Street worry. So like, Kevin Dunn's not going away right away, but. I think people will be more sure that Vince is gone once he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of that, before we get into the show, we have a Patreon show to talk about part four and the last part of Titan gate 92 on patreon.com slash between the sheets. And, um, yeah, like we talked about on the show, who would have thought all that would happen during the four months that we did this show when we started it. Back in April. Which was the month that the investigation into Vince started, even if we didn't know about it until two months later. Yeah. So, yes, par four. And uh, we just tie up all the loose ends that we can from the first three parts. Uh, This one goes more in depth on Barney. Well, there – I mean there wasn't really anything in detail on Barney in the first three. This is when he becomes Barney. Yeah, so we have – the evolution of Barney. Yes, who, for and, those who oh, don't oh, know, is the uh, the plant, or who said he was a plant on Donahue, who asked the inflammatory questions of uh, Barrio and Bruno Sammartino, who then later claimed he was a plant and that he ended up being a plant because he had his own Mel Phillips allegation that he brought to Vince McMahon. Which we'll get into all that, and we'll get into all the controversy regarding Barney. And uh, it, all kinds of sides to that controversy as well. So we'll have that. We'll have more stuff on steroids, of course, to talk about. We'll have um, Dan Savage's penthouse article. and Jeff Savage, boy, not Dan Savage. Dan Sa- Jeff Savage. Not the me. Savage love guy. <laughs> I don't know why I said Dan Savage, but Jeff Savage, yes. We'll talk about his article on penthouse, which... Uh, Quite the article, and um, boy, Bill Kunkel's uh, retort about it in Three Count is uh, definitely must audio because he he goes scorched earth on everybody. So we'll have that, and we'll have Pat Patterson returning and talk about that, and uh, basically how Doria felt that you know that was that was the right time. Nobody really cared anymore. Bring him back. Nobody's gonna say anything, and it didn't. So. We'll have that, and we'll have all the other stuff uh, that we've been talking about, more on that and everything. So it's uh, it's quite the way to end the series. So $5 a month, patreon.com slash sheets. You can listen to that, the other three parts before it, and everything else that we've had in our now uh, almost seven full years of the Patreon. We're getting yeah. close. Yes. Oh, excuse me, six. Six full years of the Patreon. Because we're a show 70, so six full years of the Patreon. Yes. But yes, yeah, so... so uh, Definitely uh, go there and uh, listen to that. 
And uh, so the Patreon show should be out, right, by the time people Oh, it's absolutely going to be out by the time people All right. So we can go ahead and announce it on here. Now, since it was on the Patreon show first, and hopefully all you listen to that show first, but anyway, it was announced there first. But August, the Patreon show will be about WCW 2000 and their negotiations with SFX. And Mandalay. And Mandalay Entertainment, which, you know, we just did that 2000 show. And basically, that's where I came up with the idea for doing that for August. Bix was thinking the same lines with me. So, yeah, so that's where it came from. And uh, we're going to do a, a show, at least one show on that. We'll see how it goes. I would think it'd just be one show, but you never know with these shows. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about there because, you know, mainly everybody focuses on the Fusion thing because that was the more serious and towards the end of the promotion. But the SFX thing had a lot of stuff going on, too, and uh, a lot of stuff that people may not know about, forgot about, and stuff like that. So this will be a very, very interesting show and a, a marked difference from what we've just been talking about for the last four months, which is what we like to do yeah. on Patreon. Let's go to a completely different direction. Yes, so um, I'm sure we'll have lots yeah. of multi-channel news and electronic oh, I'm pretty media. Sure. Some R. Thomas Umstead, some Steve Donahue. So, yeah, so but, yeah, we'll have. Yeah, I was just gonna say, basically, the idea is from the initial stories about the SFX sales talks through basically where we picked up on the shows we already did. Yeah, so should be quite the interesting show. So, patreoncom slash sheets, five dollars a month. For the audio. And or $50.40 a year. Don't forget that. Or $50.40 a year. You're right. 16% off of the yes. uh, the monthly cost. we got to push that because that is a great option that a lot of people are taking up. Yes. So, uh, yes. If you want to hear about the Nasty Boys allegedly trying to run over Cheryl Vasquez with a car, patreon.com slash between the sheets. And And – Cheryl Vasquez was the lady that was leading a protest at WF outside of a house show in Poughkeepsie. Yes. So, uh, and she has information from her end that nobody really knew either. So there's a lot of stuff in this show. There's a lot of interesting stuff. So, uh, yeah, everybody go check it out. All right. Well, let's start the eighth year now as we go to the week that was July the 28th through August the 2nd. So we're one day behind, short. Because we covered the July 27th on a previous show. So July 28th through August the 2nd of 1992. And it's hard for me to believe that we hadn't done this show already, but we hadn't. And I'm glad we're able to do it now. This is the 30th anniversary of all this stuff going on. And yeah, you know, it's the same timeline as our Patreon shows taking place. So we we have a little symmetry here. So let's begin, though, with World Championship Wrestling. And boy, there's a lot going on here. Ron Simmons captured the WCW World Heavyweight title along the second in Baltimore by pinning Big Van Vader in 946 at the Worldwide Television Taping. What a power slam. The match has been very good, along with the angle that debuted Jake Roberts. will air in a six-minute highlight block on TBS this coming weekend. The entire match will stay for television and will air, at some point air in its entirety, although Dave's not certain when and what show that will be on. Well... It was a taping for Worldwide, Dave. You just said that. <laughs> so I would think it would air on Worldwide. But anyway. Vader had been advertised to defend the title against Sting on the car. However, earlier in the taping, an angle set up where Jake Snake Roberts came out of the audience and gave Sting two DDTs on a steel chair. 
and Sting did a stretcher job and was unable to wrestle in the main event. Bill Watts and Grizzly Smith came out with the top seven contenders. Unfortunately, this crew didn't include United States Champion Rick Rude or TV Champion Steve Austin. And instead had Dan Spivey, Van Hammer, Ron Simmons, Barbarian, Katniss Jack, Dustin Rhodes, and one other. And it announced they had their names on a bowl and Grizzly was about to pick out the contender. Rick Rude came down, demanded his name be put in as well, but of course they picked out Ron Simmons' name to get the title shot. From all reports, it's a really hot crowd and behaving from start to finish. Which everyone who contacted us had nothing but good things to say about the card overall, particularly the crowd heat and execution of the Jake Gangle and the title change. The show should look, also look good on television since there were nearly 8,000 fans in the building with big crowd reactions for the angles. They had a promotion where they let two kids in free with each paying adult. So the actual pay was under 4000 and the house was close to 35000 Well, hey, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Because it's a TV taping. They were trying to create a moment. Yeah, so you kind of want to have it look good. Um, real quick before we play the clip, um, I get... I mean, you're doing the thing with Rude where he comes out and bitches, but Austin should have definitely been up there. Yeah. I mean, you ain't going to pick him, but at least have him up there. Yeah. I mean, really. It's weird to not have all of the other top contenders in there if they're not getting picked anyway. Yeah, I mean, I get. I mean, Rude, they're doing the angle with Rude, so I get yeah. that, but still, Austin should have been up there. Yes. And, um, and yeah, I mean, this is this was the perfect city to be doing this type of angle in and um so that i mean it was a smart decision on how everything played out so let's go to the clip and let's see how it all played out from the ron simmons side of things so here we go raider sends him in the irish whip oh nobody there simmons moves he's got it cradled a fighter too strong he powered out simmons goes to the ropes they get some leverage Okay, I gotta pause this for a second. They did not light this like there were eight thousand people there. No, they didn't. They lit it. They basically lit it like a normal TV taping. Right, an empty TV tape. Happy WCW, TV everybody. Taping. Yeah.
okay, we need to find a different version because this WWE version is dub- has the music dubbed out. <laughs> well, I mean, I just used the best quality. I know. I know how you are. Well, okay, hold on. Let me. <laughs> you are a quality snob, so. I I didn't think, I mean, maybe when they uploaded this, I didn't think that this was a, that this was a song they couldn't use. Did you? No, it was 10 years ago. They uploaded it. Okay. I forget. Does the music start right away? Let's see. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it's starting a celebration, I think. Let's see. I mean, now it was a huge shock when when you know that the word came out of what happened. Um, I I was I just couldn't believe it because I mean, Ron had that big push in the fall '91 when he faced Luger, and you know you knew that it wasn't going to happen because you knew Luger was going to lose the title that quick, no. but. They really had Ron, Dusty really had Ron set up. And then Havoc's over with, and Ron is just pushed back down. And, I mean, he's in the mix, but he's like U.S. Tag Champion with Big Josh. He's teaming with Junkyard Dog. I mean, he's he's like, he's he really fell down the pecking order. And it had been that way for all of 1992, basically. He's a secondary babyface, but in terms of like Sting and Friends versus Dangerous Alliance, he's slotted below Pillman. Well, okay, let's go with the names. Although he's, the light heavyweight title complicates that, but you know what I mean. We got st- st- above him is Sting, Steamboat, Dustin, Wyndham, for sure. Yeah. Pillman is r- Nikita. Yeah. That's five right there. So he's at best sixth 
<laughs> and if you put him over Pillman, yeah. at best six on the babyface chart. And, you know, I think, I think that's what made this moment even better because it was something that yet the fans remembered that of 91 where he, you know, he had his chance with Luger. He never had the chance again. Now he's got a shot, you know, and Vader is not prepared for him. He's prepared for staying. So you have that to use at your disposal. And in Baltimore, you know, I mean, let's lay it out. WCW's best city and also a city with a large black population. Oh, is that, uh, absolutely. It's the place to do it. Yes. I mean, Baltimore is called Chocolate City, you know. I mean, it's one of the nicknames for Baltimore. And it was perfect. A perfect, per, only other place that would have been, you know, as good would have been the Omni. But Baltimore was perfect for this. And the, the reaction, I always get, like, goosebumps. The kid in the blue shirt. And, when they when the, yeah when he, they him and the other guy just immediately run to the barricade before the three count is even done because they knew it yes they they knew what what just happened that was about to happen and jump it up and down and yeah just just a fantastic moment for uh for wrestling because i mean yes bearcat right was a quote-unquote world champion for the WWE in Los Angeles. And the WWE was a le- world title was considered a legit world title at the time. Yeah, but still, it's a different time. Yeah. I mean, this is the first black world heavyweight champion in the quote-unquote modern era of wrestling. And it was a big fucking deal. <laughs> Believe me. Especially in Atlanta. It was a big fucking deal. Um... You know, I mean, it was just, it was an amazing accomplishment. And the thing is, is it was something that, you, I mean, we know Watts is in charge. And we know how Watts feels about the racial issues in wrestling regarding, you know, having a black baby face on top. You know, we're JYD and always looking for his next JYD. So we know that's at play here too. But it doesn't diminish the fact that, I mean, Ron Simmons was definitely credible enough to have this championship. Yes. This is not a gift. This is not, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know if, if, if you ever heard anybody say, call it like a token title reign. I don't think it's nowhere, anywhere near a token title reign. No. Um, people might say that about Booker T because of what we've heard about the lawsuits and stuff and the timing of his title win. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that about Simmons. You about Jarrett? They're beating Jarrett? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, the way – you know, we just did that. I, no, I, I mean, and I, 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 think no, Russo, I think you're right. I think, Russo, I think Russo was genuine about wanting to have Booker T be the champion. No, I agree with that, but it's – I've I've heard that comment more because of the lawsuit stuff is what I mean. Yeah, but I think Russo was genuine about wanting him to be the champion. So. Yeah. But anyway, so – I was going to oh, – another thing to add, too, though. Um, this might be my favorite Jim Ross call ever. It's definitely high on the list. Definitely high on the list. Because you got a lot of Jim Ross stuff at play here. I mean, you got, you got, you know, the two football guys. 
you know, so you got the football background and everything, big guys. I mean, this is all Jim Ross stuff here. And he and he was just fantastic at it. And he's motivated because Cowboy's in charge. Although, you know, his motivation will be changing as time goes along. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, yeah, it, it, it's tr- tremendous stuff. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the, the problem with the Ron Simmons title reign is the booking after the fact. <sighs> yeah, oh, that's the major problem. Well, well, let's get into what Dave said at, at, in real time about this, and then yeah. we'll talk about that. The best thing about Simmons winning the title is that hopefully never again, never again, never again do we have to hear this promotion do outdated race-baiting hype every time an African-American gets a title shot. They did interviews in the building until about 1 a.m. after the show for, for airing as early as this weekend, and there were implicit instructions made not to bring up the subject of race relating to Simmons winning the title. You know, I just thought – I mean, think about something, okay? After Ron loses the title and gets whatever rematch he has – who is the next black wrestler to challenge for the title? In WCW? Yeah. Um, if we include the, N- the NWA belt. I mean, I guess you count score, but that, you know, at the, well, that's, you know, not too long for Simmons. Yeah. So would it be Booker? Okay. Let's think about our champions and our title reigns and stuff. Um, think about black wrestlers. Well, yeah, that too. Who's in WCW? <laughs> That's what you got to think about. I mean, because I was Harlem Heat, Ron Simmons, and Ice Train. Um, That's it. As far as guys that are on TV. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not until 2000. I guess. So, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have to know how they did race baiting type hype because they didn't have no damn contenders. <laughs> Wow, that's something yeah. I have never thought about before. You know? Yeah, um, WCW everybody. Yeah, in that way, but wrestling everybody because, I mean, let's face it, WF had, I mean, Ahmed Johnson make out some title shots in WF, and there's a rock, but, you know. Well, Ahmed was about to get a title shot when he got hurt, and then that went by the wayside and kind of derailed his push and stuff, too. Rock, the thing about Rock was, Rock was never positioned in that type of role as the first black heavy world heavyweight champion kind of thing no yes i mean it's which i'm not going to get into it too much for what reasons it should be obvious but you know this became but that also became a thing too with and what you remember with kofi three years ago and i i'll tell the story here i started seeing all this bullshit social media stuff about how The Rock, quote-unquote, didn't count. Which, one, is a fucked-up thing to say, but two, he was in their black nationalist heel stable. He definitely counts. Yes, no, but where... One, where one, is, once, once, though, he became The Rock, he was no longer positioned in that way. When he became no. champion, he was no longer positioned as that guy. Especially when you consider the context of how, like, clearly coded as black someone would be. Yes, he was not. Um, Oh, so where I was going with this, though, was I was going to do a story once I saw this social media bullshit. And I pitched it and I was going to do it uh, because the editor liked it. And this was also coming off the Roman Reigns, like, cancer truth or stuff. So it was a good follow-up. And then I'm digging around. Who are these people actually talking about it 
I started to realize a lot of it was actually coming from black fans, and I was like, okay, this is not the story for me to write. Well, and, and, and I think for, and Farouk did get a title shot at, at I think, Undertaker. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. So there is that. But, yeah, it's just a very interesting discussion to have. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll advertise Vader, Sting title match starting back on the road. Well, and now, and we should say, too, I mean, like, even though it was still celebrated, you know, as an achievement for black wrestlers, you know, they're Biggie and Lashley, you know, really weren't treated as having the same baggage as the Kofi win did. No. No. Kofi was just, it was just a different dynamic, though, you know? Well, and also the storyline was, though they yeah. never said it, the storyline was Vince holding down black wrestlers. Yeah. All right, all advertised Vader Sting time match starting back on the road on August 5th and Raleigh will be changed to Simmons defending against Vader and Sting against Super Invader. Simmons and Super Invader being what was advertised. Jake starts the house shows on August the 9th in Chicago against Buff, Buff. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And his first match with Sting will be August 15th in Jacksonville. Apparently, in order to get his release from WWF, that would allow him to work for WCW, Roberts gave up his rights to all future merchandising income. Since stuff in his likeness will continue to be sold for a long time. I wonder if he ever got that, that stuff back. <laughs> when he came, maybe when he came at the WWF, I don't, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. Um, I, I think they meet. Dave means royalties pending for things that are in stores. Uh huh. I think that's what that means. Which I'm trying to think. How. I don't know if there was that much Jake stuff that would have been in stores past this point. Because he was series one of the Hasbro figures. And those have mostly faded by this point. Um, what what else would there be? Like, plus he turned, he, you know, his heels, he would have been a heel, so he would have less retail merchandise and stuff. I think actually this, is pro this was probably a good calculation on Jake's part. Yeah. All right, um, uh, this is interesting, too. WCW had a legit press conference in CNN Center on August the 4th, introducing Simmons as the new champion. All right, we're going to play this, even though it's not in our week, um, because it aired on August the 29th, so it aired 25 days later. But I want to play it because we're talking about it. So let's go to the CNN Center, Cowboy Bill Watts, and the press conference announcing Ron Simmons as a new World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, I almost asked you about playing it, but then I saw the date. But you know what? It's only 46 seconds, the clip, anyway. So. Congratulations on receiving the coveted title of New World Championship Wrestling Champion. Your impressive career and incredible athletic abilities have earned this prestigious honor for you. Best wishes for continued success. Sincerely, Ted Turner. Ron, it's your day. That's what I call a perfect fit. Now that's what I call a perfect fit. We just had a whoop, whoop, whoop of some, or whoop, there it whoop. is. There it is. That's, that's the original. That's, that's August 92, so that would be the very, very That big. would be 95 South. That, no, that would be eight-time players. Who's 95 South? Wait, what's the 95, 95 South? 95 South, they were, um, they were, um, all right, there's whoop, there it is, whoop, there it is, and whoop, there it is. That's right. Okay, yeah, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes. Yeah. And there's yeah, other players stuff. are first. Let's go start in Atlanta. 
And there's other stuff you can find online of variations of Whoop There It Is being used earlier, but not as a song called Whoop There It Is, where it's the chorus. Yeah. And believe me, it's going to take an act of Congress to get it off my waist. I've got the fever now, and if I got the backing from you, believe me, Ron Simmons will be the people's champion. I couldn't have done it without you. I thank you for staying behind me, and believe me, I promise you I will do everything in my power to represent this belt and to represent you like your champion should. Thank you. Oli Anderson sitting um, <laughs> a bunch of black folks clapping is hilarious to me. <laughs> okay, wait, I need to see this again. Thank you. Hold on. Uh, wait, okay, there it is. <laughs> I never noticed that before till this end. Oh my god. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean. You do that. You do this big deal, and you have Ron as champion. And God, there's so much you could do with him. Ron's a good talker. He's got charisma, and they just they didn't book it right. You know, I just they didn't they didn't give him the fuse that he needed to have. Rude should have been feuding with Ron Simmons because Rude's your top heel, pretty much, other than Vader. Rude should have been feuding with Ron Simmons. Yes. You know? And, the, and give him that credible guy to feud with. That's all you got to do. Well, and they almost uh, did the Rude thing, and then Rude got hurt. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, it was, at least Ron had his moment. You know, he had his moment. And he had, I mean, he had uh, almost five full months as champion. So, it wasn't a you know, transitional reign, so to speak. No. So he had a reign. He got to be champion on uh two pay per views with two clashes. So yeah. and then he lost it back in Baltimore. Lost it back in Baltimore, yes. So Alright, well, let's talk about Sting now. Sting's injury was set up during a US title match with Rick Rude defending against Nikita Koloff. And what was also said to have been a very good match. Nikita hit Rude with Sickle, but there was a ref bump. At that point, Cactus Jack hit the ring with a chair. Before he could use the chair, Sting was in to make the save. Jake Roberts came out of the audience and attacked Sting and gave him two DTs on a chair. So our faces came out, and Roberts pulled out a gigantic snake, and the faces scattered, acting afraid of the snake. So they're going to use that gimmick and put Roberts over huge. While this isn't definite, don't expect Jake to use the snake as a prop in the future. Jake, who will, be a, who will be the kayfabe bad Bob listed on the booking sheets, will work singles with Sting and some tag team events with Team with Vader against Sting. Tag team events, Team with Vader against Sting and Ron Simmons. Yes, the story goes that uh, there were booking sheets at the time that had Sting against bad Bob to hide the fact that it was Jake. Hmm. Which, hey, I get that. Yeah. I don't want to spoil your big surprise. So, no problems there. All right, well, let's go to the clip, shall we? Let's go to Jake the Snake Roberts making his shocking WCW debut. Now, does this include the title match drawing stuff, this clip, and should I stop it before then? or? Oh, I don't know. I just I just had it where Jake was there. I'm um, double-checking real quick. No, this is all Jake, actually. I don't know if we're watching That's the whole seven thinking. minutes, but... 
Welcome back, everyone, to WCW Saturday Night. As we mentioned, this past Sunday was a historic night in Baltimore, Maryland, for WCW. It all started when Ravishing Rick Rude defended the United States Heavyweight Championship against Nikita Koloff. I was broadcasting that match with the Stinger, and, Bill, it went downhill from there. It certainly did. Everybody that's ever been in sports knows it's emotional. You've got to be emotional and passionate about your sport. Sting should have stayed there and commentated with you. He went to help his friend, and it cost him his shot at the world's title. Fans, the reason Sting went to the ring was because Nikita Koloff was being doubled up. Did he just say you should be emotional, but also you shouldn't be emotional? He said, I guess you should be emotional when you're supposed to be emotional. Okay. Up by Cactus Jack. Announcing. Okay. Then Jake the Snake Roberts made his appearance known. Here's what happened. Okay, I gotta pause for a second. Sting here does the best job I've ever seen at making it look natural, feeding his back for a chair shot. Yeah, he wasn't just say, here you go. <laughs> he makes it look like he is turning to avoid getting hit in the head. Yes. Um, wrestlers who listen to this, please watch this and don't take chairs to the head. Yeah. At least make it look like you're trying. I mean, that looked fantastic. Yeah.
Steiners and Ron Simmons there. There's Barry Windham. Sting is hurt badly at the hands of Jake the Snake Roberts. He's got some huge reptile there. That evil, despicable, devil-like Jake the Snake Roberts coming right out of nowhere. Oh, this is... This is, this is horrible. Sting needs medical attention, and he needs it badly. Jake the Snake Roberts. Has exploded on the scene here in Baltimore, Maryland. Roberts with the DDTs on the chair. Sting is hurt badly. Jake the Snake leaving the arena tremendous chorus of booze but there is the fallen stinger how badly is he injured they're being very very careful obviously that unprovoked attack by jake the snake roberts in my estimation was designed to end sting's career luckily that did not happen we are very lucky. You know, when a guy like Sting or any other of our professional athletes are injured, we want to find out just how bad that injury is. And you take the precautions because that was a neck injury. And so you make sure that he's carried out in the proper manner to not add or aggravate or make the injury worse. And I think WCW had handled everything up to that point very well. The officials were on the scene. They were trying to restore order. But there was a wild card in the deck, something nobody could have ever anticipated. Jake the Snake and his appearance. And, of course... Sting is all right, comparatively. All pro athletes go with pain. You, as Bobby Lane, the great Hall of Fame quarterback, said, you've got to play with pain in the NFL. In any major sport you go out, an ordinary person can take time off from their job. But an athlete goes, and Sting is back and he's going. But the sad thing is, that cost him his rematch with Big Van Vader. But there would be a championship matchup. We'll show you how that came about right after this timeout. Yeah, they were showing the stuff on main event, but actually showing on worldwide. So, yeah. Actually, yeah, so so all these matches aired on main event first. Then worldwide. It didn't air on worldwide for the weekend of the 8th? Nope. So what, it aired so. the, the following week? I think so, yeah. Hmm. Um, well, also, it's 1992. If it had already aired on worldwide, they would have done the earlier today on worldwide. Mm-hmm. Jake, you know, as we talked about before on this show, Jake was talked about coming in with Kip Fry. Um, that was this was a a thing that was in the works for a while. This is not Jake, Bill Watts bringing Jake in. It just happened to happen with Bill Watts now in control. Yeah, it was something that was going to happen before, but perfect timing because Bill Watts is there and Grizzlies, you know, got power and everything, so. I I I was excited. I thought that Jake going to WCW with with you know the lay of the land there. I thought Jake was going to do big things. Uh, and, but and he and he, he started had, out he started out strong, but, but he had his yeah. problems. He had his problems. I remember we're like what? I'd have to check exactly what weekend that is. We're we're roughly a year before. Me meeting him at LNS Comics, where he is just completely geeked out of his mind on pills or something. 
And this is when he's about where Triple Mania, you know, the big Triple Mania shows. So, yeah. Um, Not Triple Mania, the Los Angeles show. Rancha, yes. Yeah. Although, wait, didn't he do an appearance at Triple Mania 10? He did, he did, but it's about August 29th, 93 was, that's in my mind. Right. Um, One thing we're losing all this, and then we can get back to Jake more, too. I don't know if making Vader's first title reign three weeks was a good idea. Well, that whole that whole run there in WCW was odd. I mean, the the run of shows they have Beach Blast and Great American Bash so close together. You have the Clash yeah. same week as Beach Blast. And yeah, the, the scheduling was just so fucking odd. You know? Yeah. It was. It, Stuff just was not. It was. It was too much going on. None of getting t- stuff, letting it breathe, and um, yeah, it was just. It was just a weird scheduling run at WCW. Absolutely. Oh, geez. okay. Yeah, June twentieth for Beach Blast, July twelfth for uh Grand for Bash. Bash. Yeah, and Clash was. Four four days after the clash, but aired a few days before, right? Because it was a clash aired on tape delay. Four days after Beach Blast, because it was for Grand American Bash. Well, no, it had to be because it's NWA Tag Title Tournament was a Grand American Bash. No, wait, wait, wait. So Clash of the Champions is June. It taped on June sixteenth, airs on the twenty second. Beach Blast was the twentieth, so it aired two days later. mm Hmm. So happened four, four days before, two days later, and then three weeks after that is Great American Bash. And then you're doing this title change. Three weeks after uh, that. Th- three weeks after that. WCW, everybody. Yeah. It was a precursor to modern wrestling. I guess. And um, I mean, Jake is good here. Oh, great. And the Sting pay-per-view match is bad, but otherwise his work, his problems, well, everything but- is yeah, I mean, the match was not good, but the spin the wheel made a deal stuff, he was fantastic in that. Yeah. And his TV matches, the few that he has, are really good. There's yeah. one with, which is the one in King of Cable? Wyndham? I think so. Really good match. But, um, but yeah, it was a, a, a very, very eventful night for WCW at a TV take on taping. I remember being fucking jealous. Like, why can't this happen in Macon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were getting clashes and stuff like that, but still, I damn, look at what just happened here. All right, um, these angles were kept pretty much secret, Dave said. While there were a few wrestlers that knew ahead of time that Ron Simmons was with the title, and many wrestlers who knew the title was changing in Baltimore, but some believed it was going back to Sting, and everyone knew something big was going to happen, although exactly what was a well-kept secret. Suppose another Vader or Simmons knew for sure about the title change until they got to the building that night. Most of the wrestlers were shot backstage when Jake showed up doing the angle, even though it was generally assumed Jake was the bad Bob on the August booking sheets. And there was some expectation that he would debut at center stage the previous Monday. Roberts wasn't backstage before the show began, and almost nobody even knew he was in the building or in town until he did the angle. Well, they kept it a well-guarded secret, that's for sure. All right, August 2nd in Baltimore for 4000 uh, paid. We had, uh, beside the title change in the Keaton Rude, we had Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, beating Bagwell and Pillman. When Bagwell submitted to an arm lock, since they're going back in time, Anderson and Eaton are suddenly Gene and Ole Anderson. Barry Wyndham pinned Tracy Smothers. 
Cactus Jack beat Ricky Steamboat by a count out after delivering the elbow off the apron in 752. And Steamboat had to be helped out, so they're going to prolong their badge. Tom Zink over Tracy Smothers. Wyndham and Rhodes over Dick Slayer and Greg Valentine. A Bagwell jobber match saw Vader come in to destroy both of them. And in a dark match finale, I saw Doc and Gordy beating the Steiners in two out of three falls. Now, here's a, some funny things from the torch. At the taping, there were strong We Want Flair chants, which has resurfaced now that Flair's name is mentioned virtually every week on WCW television. Bill Watts at one point responded to the chance by mouthing, I do too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is the beginning of all that stuff getting going. And, you know, it, it, it should time it because Flair doesn't have a match for SummerSlam. And we'll talk about that in WF section when we get to that. But um, things well, were, I mean. Don't it, forget, it was Chris. Look, we're also just a few weeks removed from the trade rumors. Well, yeah, with Luke, but, but only only certain people knew that stuff. Well, I mean, more you as know, far as Watts mouthing, I do too. Yeah. So yeah, Watts definitely want to break Flair, and then he gets him, and he's out the door. So yes, there you go. A fan with an obviously low IQ sucker punched Terry Gordy who did not hit back, but intimidated the hell out of the guy until security dragged him away. Jesus. Well, Man, you had to be drunk or stupid. At least he both. didn't pick Doc, for his sake. Yeah, well, Doc was with him, so yeah. During this Tracy Smothers versus Barry Windham match, some fans chanted, Sup my toes at Smothers, presumably in response to the penthouse article. Well, that's lovely. That's what Wade, Wade gathered from that. Uh, why would they be chaining that at Tracy Smothers? I know. I, I think he just means the timing. I'm not sure he's has any I know, but reason why would to ascribe it chaining, to this match. I know, but why would fans be chaining "suck my toes" at Tracy Smothers? I don't know. That's a weird. That's a weird one. That's a weird one. But yeah, the timing is interesting. Absolutely. All this stuff from Torch, by the way. A local wrestler was brought in to do jobs at the taping, but was bumped from the car. Watts had him a hundred dollar bill and thanked him for coming anyway. That was only 50 bucks less than what he was promised if he actually wrestled. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Although, the way they do extra work these days is that you get paid if you show up. And you get paid the same regardless of what you actually do. Well, this is 30 years ago, Bix. That that stuff wasn't in play. (laughs) Who was it? I think it was in one of those developmentally speaking things that Cabana and some of those guys did for High Spots where they talk about Tony Jones, I think it was, doing extra work, and just always coming in wearing a suit and just eating catering, knowing that he wasn't going to be used for any actual wrestling, that he just had it down to a science. Hey, when you, when you do it enough, you know. So, all right. Uh, there was no intermission, and the taping was fast-paced, so fans were not bored as usual with WWF tapings. The show lasted a right at three hours. Shit, I wish I could have went into some WCW tapings that went only three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, it's also a major arena taping in a way they don't usually do. They were charging for some of the tickets. It's kids, too, I guess. So. Yeah. I, half the crowd is kids. Yeah. Sting was on 98 Rock in Baltimore for the taping. and admitted to use the steroids in the past. He said he quit because they aren't for me. That's, I mean, that's honest enough, you know? Yeah. 
At least he said he did him. And and this appears to be when he is off steroids. Yes. Which, you know, we've talked about it a zillion times. Watts said, this is going to be legitimate testing as your top, as my top guy. I want you off steroids. Sting tells him, as Watts tells it, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with it because I've been on steroids my whole career, but I'm here to be your top guy. I will do it. And as far as Watts knew, he got off steroids. And then when it turned out the testing couldn't really have much in the way of fangs to it, Watts told him to do whatever he wanted, which it's hard to gauge what that was because Sting's appearance doesn't change that much at all throughout this whole period. It never really. I mean, you couldn't tell. I mean, after, <laughs> you after like early 89, he never really looks that roided up. No. It gets bigger. There are times when it gets bigger. And you know when that times is? Hmm. The Hogan era. Yeah. What a shock, huh? Also working on his tan a lot during that era, too, brother. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, he got real dark. Yeah. Um, the October 25th pay-per-view show has been moved from Baltimore to Philadelphia for reasons having to do mainly with satellite transmission problems. What does that mean? Beast of shit out of me. This is uh, Dave they, saying this. They ran... Three great American Bash pay-per-views in a row from there without no, excuse me, four without issue. Every pay-per-view they've run a pay-per-view a year from there. Beats me. I don't know. It sounds like a a cop out for something. That sounds like bullshit. And Dave should realize that's bullshit. Yeah, you would think so. Speaking of Philadelphia, they were in Philadelphia night before Baltimore, August first, and they drew two thousand fans. Yeah. That might have been that might have been why they moved it. <laughs> As Bobby Eaton pinned Michael Hayes, something for Larry Zabisco, who showed up with his arm in a cast, so in the broken arm angle they shot earlier in the week at center stage, even though it had aired on television, because that's how Bill Watts is gonna do things. Well, I hey, I get it, but it hadn't aired yet, so there is that. Um Medusa pinned Heidi Lee Morgan. Dustin Rose pinned Greg Valentine a match, which can only end with a bulldog or figure four leg lock. Guess he got the bulldog. Austin went to a draw with Barry Wyndham. Steiners over Duncan Gordy in a non-title match. Steamboat over Cactus in a false count anywhere match. Super. Sting and Simmons over Vader in Super Invader. And Nick, Nikita over Rick Rude in a non-title match. Watts was at the show and chewed out several of the wrestlers <laughs> regarding their performances. Of course he did. <laughs> I, I, I hate, though, that you missed the opportunity to refer to them as the Vader Brothers, Big Van, and Super In. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that stands out here, well, two. First, Medusa's wrestling again all of a sudden. Yeah. Which is interesting, and I'm not sure what the deal is there, because it doesn't last long. And, you know, talking more about the Steamboat program we mentioned in passing earlier, it, it, it has a little bit of a lapse in the middle where he's a manager, and some of that's him getting hurt anyway. But, you know, Watts, to his credit, is the first promoter who saw Mick Foley as a main event national level star. Yeah, even though those sheets are bitching about him making him a manager. Yes. When does he start doing that? Because he gets hurt at the September clash. He's doing it after our week. Because I'm reading the complaining in the newsletters about it. Mm. But he's got the Steamboat program active anyway. Yeah, but still, he was being. They were pitching about him starting to be used as a manager. But he was still wrestling the whole time anyway. You know, he was more yeah. player coach Bill Dundee than he was a manager. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he gets this nice run on TV and house shows with Steamboat. 
he's considered a main event level mouthpiece, you know, through the fall. And then Watts is the one who turns a babyface and puts him in, you know, puts him on the path to a main event program, even if it, most of the actual, you know, push part really comes after Watts leaves. Yeah. Talk is a Sting Invader were right at four stars every night this past week. Good. Elliot Mernick has been rehired as a promoter for North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. Mernick promoted tons of cities for the Crocus, but was dumped by Jim Hurd. Hmm. Not surprised by that, that Jim Hurd would do that. Yes. Also, weird side note to all this, which comes up, I think, the following year with all the NWA drama. The Mernicks, for some reason, had their own NWA membership. Yeah. Which... But never used it. <laughs> Is that why, in results, you put Mernick shows as Mernick? No, because I was. If I know a promoter is promoting the show, gotcha. That's what I'll do. So yeah. you will put Juster or because Jim Crow Promotions didn't promote the show. Elliot yeah, Mernick, the Mernick's promoted the show with Crockett Talents. I get what you're saying. He is the promoter of record, especially in a commission state like Virginia. Exactly, just like Pennsylvania with Phil Zacco. Watch it the is. TV. Ta- watch well, the old TV, WFTV tapings. I mean, when Joe McHugh's doing Joe McHugh's doing the introductions, it's always Phil Zacco. Well, by Phil, Phil Zacco. And he was promo- and he was a promoter, even though he was Vince's one of Vince's right hand guys. Yeah. But still, he was a promoter. Yeah. Now, where it gets dicey is when you get to like New Jersey, where you got you know Monsoon promotes a lot after Willie Gilsenberg dies, but you don't. But there's also other promoters in, in New Jersey. John Stanley promotes some in central Pennsylvania. Ace Freeman does Pittsburgh and western Pennsylvania. Yes. Skolan is uh, Maine, not Maine, upstate New York and stuff like that. Westchester, yeah. Westchester, you know, those stuff. Um, when you get to Maine, that's, that's Vince. Yeah. Vince a Kennedy, man. And there's, there's, uh, there's other random things. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, is, it's like AWA was like that. Where they had promoters in different towns. Yes. They had their towns. It's like Crockett, Charlotte, Greensboro. I mean, those those were Crockett promotions. Spartanburg. I mean, you get Spartanburg and Greenville and those towns like that. They, like, Danny Miller would do a lot of promoting there, but not always. Um, Sandy Scott took that over when Danny Miller left. Uh, Sandy Scott already had towns. Johnny Weaver was promoting towns. Henry Marcus at Columbia and Charleston. Um, Mernix had Richmond, of course, and their their mix. I mean, yeah, it, it was like that. Florida coach John Heath promoted Sarasota, and uh, Chris Dundee did Miami, and there uh, and some other things. I mean, it gets it gets more complicated when you start going back to the seventies and earlier, way more complicated. 80s is when everything starts to get more consolidated. Yeah. So, all right. New announcement lineup started on August 22nd. We'll have Jim Ross and co-host on WCW Saturday Night. We watch frequently as co-host. Main event, we'll have Ross and Hayes. Power Hour will be a magazine format with Shivani and Zabisco. Worldwide, we'll stay with Shivani and Ventura. Pro, which will probably air in far fewer markets come September, we'll have Bischoff and Magnum TA. And syndicated main event will have Bischoff and Teddy Long. And Pro did start airing in far fewer markets because it's very hard to find episodes from 1993. 
Mm -hmm. Although there are differences, but a lot of the time in the Sour Pro and Main Event are basically the same show. And Chicago Pro stops in in uh, ninety two, right? So that's where a lot of the pro stuff online is from. But we're not we're not missing a lot of like matches from this era on pro, but we're missing but we're missing the sh- the pro versions of the show, even though the ma- most of the matches are airing with different commentary on main event. Yeah, KTVU Channel Two in San Francisco Bay Area was dropped this week, which means not not to expect any house shows in these bars for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Yeah. Brad Armstrong was fine on August 3rd, whether or not he'll be, need major knee surgery after blowing out his knee in Japan on July 21st. He'll definitely be out of action for a few weeks, but it could be longer. Which is why we get the whole thing with Pillman at the Clash. It's on that angle. Terry Taylor's definitely come, definitely through and is trying to get back to WWF or indie dates. He was offered a spot to come back under a hood as Mr. Wrestling 3. A purge of Mr. Wrestling 2, but it isn't going to materialize. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> Could you imagine that, Pix? As a heel or a baby face? I guess it's a baby face, but it has been a baby face. Terry Taylor is pretty distinct. Yes. So fans, I think, would have saw right through that. But imagine a world base where Terry Taylor was Mr. Wrestling Three, huh? I'm gonna reserve comment on that one. Uh... <laughs> anyway, all right. In, in what was probably Taylor's last television match that aired on Saturday. He and Scotty Flamingo lost a three and a quarter star match to Tom Zink and Marcus Bagwell. This was actually more exciting and action pat than the Steamboat Austin match, which followed it, which was a solid match as well. Steamboat Austin went 18 minutes, which is okay since Steamboat is such a great worker. He mainly sold a legit rib injury like crazy. An occasional law match is something different on TV, gives it a meaning. When you got super workers involved, like all Japan's TV main events, the longer the match, the better. But as a steady weekly diet, Dade doesn't think today's fans had the attention span for average or even well above average workers trying to do 20-minute television bouts. <laughs> Dave's talking about them. Um, you know, let's look at it now. And, you know, that's the thing. You can do that, but you better be careful on how much you do that. Some matches on TV, too long. They also yeah. means pay-per-views. Way too long. Yeah, even a match I, shouldn't be long. A match shouldn't be long for the sake of being long. No, and th- even though it's a match I like better than people did at the time, at least in the newsletters, you don't need forty minutes of Big Josh versus Arn Anderson. No, no, not at all. All right, to the torch. Jim Ross stayed on the Ross Report that Falk Hogan signed with New Japan, and he would most likely be on the January Fourth Tokyo Dome show. He was not. Ross also softened his stance on Sid Udy on his August 2nd radio show, saying he needs the right kind of guidance. That may be the only clue that we need to know that Watts is considering going to Sid this fall. As for fan perception, it wouldn't be bad, a bad move, considering he was just in the WrestleMania main event. If he would be willing to do a clean job of Ron Simmons at a pay-per-view, it might be worth taking advantage of his WF momentum. That would have been a great opponent for Simmons. Yes. If you know, And if you got, got him to do the clean job for Ron, that would have helped. Absolutely. Yep. But it didn't happen. And Sid doesn't come in until after Bill Watts leaves. So there you go. All right. Let's talk about Bill Watts. And now the morale in the company. As we go to Mike Mooneyham's column in the August 2nd, Charleston, South Carolina Post Courier, which detailed the morale problems with Bill Watts. that have been reported here previously. This is Dave uh, talking about that. The column stated, several WCW performers 
Speaking on condition of anonymity, say morale has reached a new Anonymity. <laughs> anonymity, yes. Uh, morale's the worst I've ever seen, said one high-profile WCW personality. Nobody's being paranoid, but everybody knows this guy is, going, not, is not going to pay. We've come to this after so many years of on-air talent and wrestler personalities. Considered nothing more than a wrestler with that great mystique of having a broken-down body, living in a trailer, talking about the good old days. We finally progressed without unions, without representation, without holdouts, but through professionalism. Finally, Turner Broadcasting has brought respect to us on-air personalities, and we progressed from being wrestlers to being on-air personalities. In essence, performers or sports entertainers. How about that, folks? One source, he foresees many of the company's top stars fleeing to the WF once their contracts are up. Watts has made it clear that the big book guaranteed contracts that have been doled out in recent years will be replaced by unguaranteed incentive-based contracts. Vincent Mayer doesn't guarantee money, but he treats his talent fairly with respect, said a source. While some people don't appreciate all the gimmicks in his organization, he does treat his wrestlers like a businessman. Watts wants everyone to go back to the old format. One reason why nobody pushed for unions is that things were progressing at a low but sure pace. But now that that's all being thrown out the window. These guys have families, said the source. And one of the reasons they're here is because of the guarantee money. Terry Taylor has a family. He was making three grand a week. He's spending 30% of that on taxes. And on the rest, he's spending $75,000 a year on the road. He's not staying in suites with jacuzzis. That's $75,000 of business expenses to live on the road. And Watch takes him off contract. In the meantime, he can't take independent dates either because he's afraid he'll have WCW booking and have it canceled at the last minute. Or he'll get fired for accepting independent dates. Editor's note, since this article was printed, Taylor was let go and not offered the $300 per night to work an unspecified schedule. Watts is going to have to hope that the Slaters, Barbarians, Dr. Deaths, and Gordys will do jobs because the Sting, Steiners, Terry Taylors, Roods, and Austins will not stay around under these conditions. Well, Watts was furious about this article and and mention it. See, this is in the future, because but it happened during our week. So, he, he mentioned it during a meeting on August sixteenth with the wrestlers for a TV taping at the Omni. Watts asked if anyone had a problem and told them he wanted to know if anyone had a morale problem. Surprisingly, one wrestler, Nikita Kola, spoke up and talked about having a problem with the rule about having to stay in the buildings until the main event ends every night. Ironically, the person speaking up here, Koloff, at this point is still high on the cards and thus would be in the buildings late every night anyway. Unlike a prelim wrestler who's affected by this rule. And missing occasional chances to catch a late flight home and spend an extra night every now and then with his family, which, because of the travel schedule, family time is limited. Watch responded, and since only heard this from one source, Dave said, don't want to misquote him, but suffice to say, every wrestler with a family, which most of the guys were left cold with something along the lines of this business isn't conducive to family life. We talked about this before. I think we actually did the week that Watts had the meeting at the on. But... Yeah, I mean, this is what I mean. Bill Watts is used to the way things used to be, but you know, this ain't Mid South Wrestling anymore. And you're gonna piss off some wrestlers that you might not want to piss off. So, what do you think about all this, Bix? The thing with staying till the end of the card is like, I get that you want the younger wrestlers to watch and learn and all that just say that don't order them to stay as late as possible when they're on the road and touring and they 
depending on where they are, could get a chance to either drive home earlier or catch a flight or whatever. There are ways to accomplish his goal without doing it the way he did it. Um, as far as the other stuff... Um, hmm. I mean, taking people off of guarantees, given the situation, not great. Well, Watts is looking at it from that mentality of, if these guys are making are guaranteeing money, then they're not going to put forth the effort they need to put out. Because they get paid regardless. And as a, and that's an old school mentality. And, I mean, in some cases, that's been proven to be true. Not all cases, but some cases. But also, it, you shouldn't really be do, in, I mean, in 2022, you can't really do, in, do anything other than guarantees anymore because most of the revenue is guaranteed revenue. It only makes yeah. sense to mainly pay people guarantees. And, you know, also, you know, with the stuff about expenses here, I'd be remiss to not mentioning that, you know, when we record this, we're a few days removed from Comic-Con. And I think the CM Punk comments about, you know, something that gets talked about, but not that much in public for whatever reason. AEW pays for everyone's hotels and rental cars. You know, these, you know, at this time in 92, it's everyone that's not doing that. You know, in 2022, it's interesting to look at it where, you know, WWE is the outlier, at least among major promotions. But given how much it costs to live on the road, I, I, I get what Watts is trying to do, but he's upsetting the apple cart a little too much. And he's refusing to confirm or deny whether or not he's getting bonuses based on certain cost-cutting milestones. Well, you know, real quick with Punk, I mean, all everybody was talking about from that, it was how miserable he was and didn't want to be at Comic-Con to begin with. So that's a f interesting, you know, well, thing as well. I mean, he, he could barely walk. So that's the whole yeah. thing. But, I mean, just Watts, again, Watts is from that different mindset, and people were begging for him to come in, and this is what you're going to get when you get him to come in. So you got you got to take it, take the good with the bad. Yeah. It's what you wanted. <laughs> Here it is, newsletter readers. Yeah, and that's that's the type of thing you could have expected regardless, you know, regardless of the whole oh he's been away for five years thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, is there any indication what the date is on the Mooneyham column? Oh second. Oh, he did say that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, I missed that. Okay, because I'm It was I'm a nice circuit. Sunday paper. I'm searching on Genealogy Bank, and that one, when I'm searching for Mike Mooneyham with the keywords for this one, I'm not seeing, uh, not seeing that week. I was curious to see if there was anything else in there. Well, the way it, way it was dated, it it was that it, it was that Sunday. That's the way it was dated in the newsletters. So, okay, well, good to know. Let me see if I search for Mike Mooneyham on that exact date. No results. Okay, maybe that one's missing or it's badly OCR'd or something. Yeah. Alright, let's go international now. They're going to consolidate everything in the one section here. And let's start with Japan. All Japan Pro Wrestling. The current tour ended on July 31st at Matsudo before a sellout of 3,600. Where Stan Hansen returned in Triple Crown pinning Akira Tawa at the Three Lariats in 1441. The rest of the final night saw Mitsuha Masao and Shiyoshi Kikuchi over Yoshinari Gawa and Masafuchi. 
when Masawa made Ogawa submit to the face lock. Kabashi the Patriot over Kamala 2 and Abdul the Butcher. Toshak Kawada over Richard Slinger. Sunny Beach and Johnny Ace over Billy Black and Barry Hor- Horowitz. That's a match. Giant Baba and Rush Kimura over Haruka Egan and Matoshi Okuma. Renegade Warriors over Rumi Zamita and Mighty Inoue. The Destroyer over Satoru Sako with a 54 leg lock and Mitsuo Moto over Masao Inoue. July 29th in Osaka, Drill Sell out of 3300. That's Tawe Nagawa beat Masawa Kawada and Kikuchi when Tawe pinned Kikuchi in 2646. Hanson and Ace over the Young Bloods. Kobashi over Horowitz in a singles match. Abdullah Kampala 2 over Sunny Beach and the Patriot. Billy Black and the Slinger. The Slinger, Richard Slinger over Izumina Inoue. And Baba and Rusher over Egan and Okuma. Overall, it's pretty eventful tour with most of the house shows taking place in smaller buildings and Jumbo Sharuda missing the tour. Jumbo's not being advertised appearing on the next tour as well, so Dave guesses his knee injury is pretty serious. While the group has continued to sell out and produce excellent main events, the loss of Jumbo has made the sameness on top even more noticeable. One side always has Ogawa, Tawe, and Fuchi. Either six mans are broken up into singles matches and tag against the big guns, either American and Young Quartet of Masawa, Kawada, Kabashi, Kikuchi, who really the entire promotion revolves around. Things were worse since Masawa was injured pretty bad. He actually worked matches with his arm in a sling, but only missed a few dates because promotion didn't want both Masawa and Jumbo missing house shows. With Jumbo out, combined with his already being scheduled for a triple crown match at the end of the tour, Tawei was given a super push all month. It's ironic as all the young lions, Tawei is clearly the worst worker of the bunch. Not that he's bad, but the other five are all amongst the best in the world right now. And also the least over. Knee injury, huh? Yeah. This is uh, his hepatitis B. Taruta. Yes. Taruta. Yeah. yeah, and um, this is what forces them to turn Kawada. And strap the rocket to Tawa. Yeah. Because that's a major loss. I mean, because, I mean, Jumbo and his side against Masao and his side was the big story. And then you take Jumbo away, and it's, yeah, that's a huge loss. When because does it actually. Tawa. Tawe Tawe takes over the lead spot. Yes. And before long, they just turn Kawada, and it goes from being Saruta Gun to Holy Demon Army. And so the thing with, the thing with that is, you know, Jumbo and Tawe were the heavyweights of the bunch. Now it's just Tawe and two juniors. And all Japan, that's not a good thing. Because the juniors aren't necessarily treated the same as heavyweights. Exactly. Kendra Kabashi against Barry Horowitz. That is a definite match that I'm interested in seeing. <laughs> now, do you remember what uh, Barry Horowitz's entrance music was on this tour? Yeah, you t- you say this I think every time that we had the Barry Horowitz uh, Al Japan stuff on the show. Of course I do. <laughs> Tell everybody what it is. Wow, that was some girl in that last video. Which one? The one standing next to Bon Jovi in that last shot. The one with the garter and lace. You know the one I mean. I really liked her. I bet you think you can ask her out, don't you, Joe? Who wouldn't want to go out with her? You guys are oh all the same. God. You know? <laughs> what, what? Guys, guys. <laughs> guys. Come on, we got to move on now. Enough of Bon Jovi. Okay, well, what's next? Yeah. Ah, two live crew. Pop that coochie. Wait, the chef gets a hold of this one. What are they up to now? Why is thinking it perfect? Pop that coochie. Yo, man, this off TV ain't, ain't happening, man. Yeah, man, we need to do something, man. 
Yo, word, man. We need some girls, man. Come up with something, man. Do something. Check this out. Let me break That's out my crystal ball. Okay, yeah. I'm skipping to the actual song. Girl, you know you've been had by me, so come and be my private dancer. I got some money if that's the answer. I really wanna be with you. I get hard after seeing you. How hard? Hard like a rock when you make that coochie pop. Pop that coochie, hey! Pop that coochie, baby! You get the idea. Obviously, the edited version. <laughs> I don't know how edited. Well, I mean, it's not the video version, but. Well, the song is completely edited. Here, you mean, or, the, or for all Japan? Period. <laughs> Bix, that's not the name of the song. Oh, that's right. Okay, so <laughs> that's, I forgot that part. Coochie is for the... Uh, radio. For the radio and music, yes. It's Pop That Pussy. On the album. <laughs> I forgot, it's been so, a while. It's Two Life Crew, that should be very easy. Japan, they're about to go some, through some major changes here as 92 goes on, so there's that. Alright, the July tour ended with a major show in New Japan on July 31st in Sapporo, which drew 6,500. And approximately a $300,000 gate, had Ricky Choshu had retained the IWGP title pending Super Strong Machine in 11.43. Plus Hiroshi Hase and Shane Hashimoto beating Tatsumi Fujinami and Kensuke Sasaki when Hashimoto pinned Kensuke in 20.47. Crusher Bam Bam Bigelow, they didn't say Crusher, but I did pick. Me, Masaido by DQ. New Japan Virtue never does DQ endings, but Bigelow and Saido are doing a total American feud with juice, few big moves, and no finishes, each interfering in the other's Shasha matches, which also really occurs in Japan. Masachono pinned the returning Shiro Koshinaka. Keiji Muto beat TNT. Savio Vega. Scott Norton and Tony Hall may beat the Untouchables from Windy City Wrestling. Justin Liger, Takuki Azuka, and El Samurai beat Testosh Goto, Norionaga, and Hiro Saito. Weird to see Liger and Samurai in the same team since they are feuding. Oh, they'll be teaming a lot. Time goes on. Black Cat over Hiroshi Yamamoto, Tenzan, and Coach Kanemoto over Stoch Gojima in your main event. I mean, your opener, excuse me, not your main event. Uh, the night before, in Ibitsu, Drew 2160 as Mudo, Chono, and Kensuke beat TNT, Scott Norton, and Bigelow when Mudo pinned TNT. Choshu and Fujinami beat Super Strong Machine and Goto. Tony Hombe and Masakurisu upset. Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto when Bigelow interfered, called to Saito to get pinned. Liger and Hase over Samurai and Azuka. Untouchables over King Okamura and Hiroshi Yamoto. Norinaga and Hiro Saito over Kojima and Kanemoto in your opener. And like we said earlier, Brad Armstrong was sent home from the tour a week early as he blew out his knee during the six-man tag main event. So, uh, any thoughts, Mix, on the, uh, the list of names here on New Japan's tour here? No big moves. Excuse me, few big moves. Yes. Total American style. The Untouchables are... 
I forget. I know we talked about this recently. Hell, I don't forgot by now. Which Chicago guys are they? I'm looking. Um, let's say. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. They're in t- untouchable. They're a later Ice untouchable. Ice and Buster. Okay, and do we know who that is? No, but there's a great picture of Ice and Buster on the from WCW Worldwide's Twitter from May of 2016. Oh, it's the Max Brothers. Well, there you go. I think. Maybe not, actually. <laughs> but anyway. And it would make sense. Because so, didn't Sam DeSero do a similar gimmick? Well, it ain't on the Eliminator, I can tell you that. So, no. All right. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, July 29th at Matsuyama City General Community Center for 4,051 fans. Again, no television, folks. Great Punk, Kastoshi Niyama over Koji Nakagawa, Miwa Sato over Rie Nakamura, Megumi Kudo over Yuki Morimatsu, Sabu over Eiji Azaki, mid-card, Sabu with feature Hayabusa, Erika Shishuya and Yoshika Mayodamari over Combat Toyona and Yuki Nabeno, Horace Boulder or Ricky Fuji. And then your main event, a street fight, Tiger Jeet Singh, Big Titan, Rick Bogner, and the Gladiator over Sushanita, Tarzan Goto, and Sambo Asako in 11-12. Now, Sabu's here, but the Sheik's not here. Why? He missed several days because of injuries, which happens to those who are 68 years old still trying to work, even if the matches usually go less than a minute. The fire match is August? Yeah. Okay. It's after our week. 4,051 fans, and you know, other shows that was going on during our week, you had some, a lot of, like, 3,000 fan houses and stuff like that. No television. It helps to have a presence in the local business community. There's that, but also you're they're a hot yeah, indie yeah. promotion, word of mouth, and all that stuff. Yes. So, and you have to do business. Yes. I, I'd love to know what Sabu would say about working with Free Hayabusa, Hayabusa. I'm sure. I'm sure he has some lovely takes that are not bitter and refer to his gimmick <laughs> being ripped off at all. Which, as we've discussed before, I think mainly it was on the Sabu Patreon shows. He has a legitimate gripe there. He does. Is that? I mean, the yeah, Hayabusa's wearing a mask, but the whole the whole pants is a total ripoff. Yeah. I mean, why could? I mean, why even do that? Why not just come with something completely different? Mm-hmm. You know? But anyway. Oriental Pro Wrestling drew less than a thousand fans of Hachihoe near Tokyo on August 2nd. As Ron and Don Harris beat Koreans Kim and Lee. I'm sure they love being up to Koreans. Ryuma Go over Sumito to Samoan. Masahiko Takasugi over Carl Pope. And Mike Winter over Hiroshi Takura. Gee, I wonder uh, what promotion the foreign talent was being booked out of. <laughs> Championship Wrestling USA, Sandy Barr. Mm-hmm. But the most talked about show this past week was Wings' biggest promotion thus far on August 2nd in Funabashi in an outdoor setting, which drew a full house of 5,319 fans. They didn't have no TV either. For a ring surrounded by a fire as Mr. Pogo faced Mr. Danger, Mitsuya Matsunaga. Matsunaga won the match, and after the match, manager Vita Quinones turned on Pogo, who's now turning babyface. In other results, new Wing World Tag Team Champions, the Headhunters, kept the belts being Iceman, Ricky Santana, and the Winger, a rookie named Akono, who has been training with the Malenkos in Florida. Akashi Akono. Jason Terrell beat Leatherface in a loser gets stuffed in a coffin match. Sakashigawa and Kyoko Inoue of All Japan Women beat Akira Hokuto and Mita, 
Mr. Terrell Takuda and Yukihiro Kanemura won a barbed wire hair versus mass match over the Inferno and Super Invader. However, Inferno, who lost, instead of unmasking Kanemura's hair. Well, that's great. All right, full results. Hiroshimata and Ryo Miyake over here, Fumi Miura and Masoshi Motegi in your opener. El Bariqua went to a double count with Samoan Warrior. Then we had the mask hair debacle. Kyoko and Hashigawa over LCO. Casket Deathmatch Jason over Leatherface. Headhunters retain titles over Ice Fan and Winger. And Masanaga over Pogo. Almost 5,400 fans at this show, Fix. That's very impressive. No TV. Also connections to local businessmen as well. I'm sure. It's Japan and wrestling. So. But still, very impressive. And Wing, I mean, this stuff is... Stu- this, this stuff, FNW, this is an era where tape traders are starting to get their hands on. Mm-hmm. In the West, yeah. In the West. So, yeah. Starting, it's 93 is when it really starts picking up. But, uh, yeah, it's starting to get hot. Absolutely. And, and, and this is something totally different. That's another thing, too. Japan ha- had never had promotions like these before. And Wayne's going next level at this point in time. Yes, although Wing, Wing is trying to do like more like the first couple of years of FMW is what kind of what they're going for, but with more fire and stuff. Well, it's more violent. Yeah. So, yeah, very popular promotions at the time. Absolutely. All right, heavyweight boxer Tommy Morrison will be replaced by Mari Smith. World Karate Association Heavyweight Champion and Mixed Match against Matsukatsu Fanaki on the October 4th PWF G card at Tokyo Dome. Morrison's recovering from a broken jaw and being groomed for a heavyweight boss to fight in the center ring is George Foreman, so Top Rank doesn't want him taking any chances. Oh yeah, Tommy could Morrison, just, that's a guy who never takes any chances. But could you just imagine if that would have been the match that happened and not Funaki and uh, Marty Smith? Yeah. Man. That's interesting. That changes a lot of things, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. So, huh, that's definitely what if right there. Big what if. All Japan women. They had a TV taping on July 30th in Mito with a major upset as Akira Hokuto won a steel cage match from Bull Nakano in 1816. Also, Ashikan Karuito defeated uh, Kyoko Inoue and Toshio Yamada in 2158. Plus, the first round matches in the Fuji Television Network Tag Team Tournament. Wadabi Toyota and Mima Shimoda beat Bat Yoshinaga and Tomoko Watanabe, and Mariko Yoshida and Sakashigawa defeated Etsuko Mita and Takako Inoue. Uh, pretty good talent on this show, I'd say. Yeah, very much so. Then so. there's stout All Japan women's effort here in 1992. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Europe for, real quick to Otto Fonts in Wien, Austria on July 30th. Mile Zerno over Dojo Yamaha, Bix. Okay, Dojo Yamaha. Obviously, this is a New Japan guy on excursion, right? Yes. I may just Google it because I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank as for who would be. He's got the dog in him. Oh, uh, um, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? Uh, Mishiyoshi Ohara? Yes. Former New Japan Dojo guy, Buffalo Peterson, Daryl Peterson, Max Payne over Eddie Steinblatt. Rambo won a body slam contest over Bruiser Mastino, Mantar. Steve Regal won a street fight over Fit Finley. And then Mad Bull Buster and Larry Cameron beat the team of Rip Rogers and Derek Dukes. 
So that would be Anthony Durante and Larry Cameron? Yes. Over Rip Rogers and Derek Starfire Jigs. Yes. Okay, then. <laughs> Otto's got a nice uh, foreign crew on this tour. Yeah? They've got more pushed black wrestlers than WCW. <laughs> How about that, huh? Crazy. Nice looking PWA show. Oh yeah, there's a lot of good looking stuff on that uh that run there. So uh, props to Otto for uh booking those guys. Alright, let's go to Mexico now. <clears throat> Triple A. They're in Monterey on July thirty first for a TV taping where Sicosis Heavy Metal and Mr. Condor beat Rey Mysterio Jr., Wieners, and Super Colobe. In the second fall, Dave was told they had the bump of the year when Ray missed the moonsault out of the ring, landed flat on the floor to be counted out, which was what was intended, which tells you about his guts and brains. Three and a half stars. Jerry Estrada, excuse me, Jarrito Estrada beat Piratita Morgan in the Midget Hevers hair match when Big Jerry interfered at the Piratita threw water in the rest face. And at the KO Morgan Little Jit, Jarrito made him submit. Pedro got his head shaved. This is probably his final AAA match as he and Midget Espiritrito are jumping back to CMLL. Those were Mascarita Sagrada's favorite opponents. Two and three quarter stars. And the main event saw Ciencaras, Fishman, and Cobarde de Matu defeat Conan, Paraguayo, and Cicadelico in two straight falls with Cicadelico never tagging in two and three quarter stars. All right, the rest of the show here. We have Mysterioso, Pantera de Ring, and Volador over Jerry Estrada. Tony Arce and Volcano in your opener. Uh, Dr. Lucha gave it three stars. So we got Dr. Lucha's ratings here for this. The Heavy Metal Condor Sicosis Ray Jr. Super Club Winners match, he gave four stars. The Minis Tear match, he gave them two and a quarter stars. In the main event, <laughs> no stars. Sicadelico <laughs> refused to help his team. So, and the Rudos still attacked him after the match. So he's doing a Rudo turn, and the Rudos don't care anyway. They're still beating the shit out of him. So there you go. So we're very early in the AAA run here, and uh, guys like Ray Jr. going out there and trying to make a name for themselves. You know, young, hungry, getting on national TV. Let's go out there and do what we got to do, you know? I'm very hungry. 17 here. Yep. Do what we got to do to get noticed and, uh, to get, you know, more bookings, more TV time. So, uh, it's funny we're talking about Ray, you know, considering they just did the 20th anniversary of his WWE uh, run. And, you know, <laughs> 10 years before that, he's in AAA. You know, he's really trying to make a name for himself. So. Yep. Also, we got in AAA, we got uh, this as I scroll down. Triple A formed its own wrestlers union with officers being named. Fuerza Guerrera, Ice Killer. Can you imagine forming a union and the vice president of the union is named Ice Killer? Justice Sierra, Magnate, Solar, Dorel Dixon. Yes, the same. Dorel Dixon, Hairline, Master Square Garden, and there's a Buddy Rogers. Vicky Carranza, Io de Diablo, who just jumped. Rambo, Hakon 78, Octagon, and one of the Micro Distractores. So, pretty simple reason for why this happened. The, uh, you know, SNL, the historic wrestlers union that covered the, uh, you know, Arena Mexico and UWA wrestlers were threatening to picket AAA shows as scab 
shows. So they had to yes. form their own union to not be scab shows. And avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, makes sense, I guess. And I don't know what really happened to the AAA union. I mean, it was never really much of anything. It was just to block the picketing. <clears throat> but isn't it something though that Fuzzacarado's named the president of the union, and then it's what two two and a half years later he's wanting to leave the form his own promotion. Hmm. Do his own that thing. was kind of a work at first. Yeah. Tinebulus and Tinebulus Junior finally jumped to this group. Ugh. Yeah. They are negotiating to run the thirty thousand seat Palacio de, de Palacio de Deportes in Mexico City. Yeah, those departments to run major shows both for this group and for the WWF. Hmm. I guess they wanted to be WWF promoters in Mexico City, huh? How about that. Well, is Vince still interested in Conan at this point? Uh, I'm sure there's some type of on and off deal here, and they would run that building, so they would get a chance to get in there. And also another match during our uh, week, also at Arena Coliseo Monterrey. Tony Arce and Volcano beat Mysterioso and Volador to become the new Mexican National Tag Team Champions. Sounds like a hell of a match. Mm-hmm. All right, CMLL. Arena Coliseo on July 28th. Master and Panico over Eclipse and Gran Apache. Shemako Valdez, Yukon Ramirez, and Filoso defeated Arcano de la Muerte, Supreme Motos, and Guerrero de la Muerte by disqualification. Bronze 2, Oro, and Plata over Damiano Guerrero, Guerrero de Futuro, and Guerrero de Maya. Los Intocables, Hakimate, Masacre, and Perot over Brazo de Oro, Brazo de Plata, and El Dandi. And then uh, our main event here is kind of a funky result. It's got Apollo Dante's... Okay, I see what happened here. Apollo Dante's beat Ido de Solitario by disqualification in a singles match main event. So, I had that on there twice. So there's that show. Uh, this group is introducing a new crew of midgets to go along with Perotito Morgan Espetrito, who jumped back, including Ultimate Dragoncito, Sicocito Ramirez, Mascarita Magica, and a trio called Los Pequeño Intocables. Yes. <laughs> now, okay, Espetrito and Perotito don't jump back, right? Um, I think they do, but they don't last long. Or is it? Uh, well, that's what I'm trying to understand. Is this actually Virus, the future Virus, becoming Peritita too? Probably. And then I'm get. Well, that's what I'm guessing that maybe this is Espectrito too, and coming with him, and that's the confusion. There's there's different people in the gimmicks as time goes on, so yeah, it, it could be confusing. Yeah. But anyway. Real de Alisco Jr. retained the Mexican National Heavyweight title to be MSA Uno on July 29th in Arena La Capone. After MSA Uno had won a non-title match the week before in the same arena. All right, results here. Hawko Negro and Mario Prado over Kundra and Talisman Jr. Montevideo Lobos, Petaro Serena and Wendy over La Serenita, Lolo Gonzalez and Shoshimana, Perato Morgan and Satanico over Atlantis and Black Magic, Norma Smiley by DQ, and Rayo over MSA Uno in the main event. And then July 31st, we're Coliseo. We have Fedoso and Gran Apache over Escudero Rojo and Hoco Negro, Acarando de la Muerte, Guerrero de la Muerte, and Ultimatum, Electroshock, over Agudo Solitaria, Eclipse, and Metallico. Apollo Dantes, Cachorro Mendoza, and Ciclo Ramirez over Io de Solitario, Felinio, 
And El Mordakahavia Cruz by DQ due to excessive violence. Well, it says excessive violence here. What it should say is Rudissimo. Well, whatever. El Supremo, Gran Marcus Jr., and The Big Bang over Aaron Grande, El Dandy, and Mascara Magica. We'll talk about him in a second. And our main event, Bestia Savaje, Emilio Chavez Jr., and Negra Casas over Elantis, Lismark, and Ultimo Dragon. Bix, do you remember who The Big Bang was? I'm looking it up. Don't I'm look. Why? Don't look. Is it because... Big Bang Vader? No, no, no. It is an American. So this is this nope. is an American, though. I want to tell you so you can be surprised. Right. Okay, tell me. Chat victory. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm looking at the Lucha Wiki, which has no information but has a photo, and that's definitely Jack Victory. <laughs> if someone needs to update this, though. So where, where did you find that it was Jack Victory? Because it, it was in the Observer. Oh, okay. Have you seen this picture? No, I have not. Okay, let me send you the Lucha Wiki link, then. Yeah, Lucha Wiki surprisingly has zero information other than that he's Big Bang. But he does look kind of like Jack Victory. All right, let's see here. Yeah, that's Jack Victory. Absolutely, because, I mean, that lower end. Jack Victory's got a big ass. <laughs> you mean that's his you know, uh, ass. That's how you know Jack, Vi Jack Victory from Angel of Death and the Russian Assassin. I suppose Angel of Death is kind of a taller as yes. well. Uh, Cage Match does have him as Big Bang, as does uh, Pro Wrestling Wiki. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess maybe Wrestling Data does not. But huh. Yeah, it was in the Observer. So Dave had that in there. I'm surprised that there's nothing on Richard Wiki then. Huh? But also, Deplot is out of Ash for health reasons because of his heart problems. This went on for years. Sadly, he's passed on now because of that. But yeah, this went on for years. And he, was, and he wasn't as big as he was going to be in this time period either. So. Hmm. All right. CMLO had a show in Monterrey at Plaza de los Toros La Monumental. They were involved with is it you know the Monterey locals this, so this is uh, Elizondo, yeah. big man available on this show. All right, but first then we had the CMLO Mini Tag Title Tournament. Mini Sheriff and Pedrofito went up against uh, Mascara Mascarito and Micro Hakimate and and the Rangercitos and another team. So we don't know who else was in that. Apollo Dante's Black Magic and Love Machine are borrowing as a team that is cut off from the screenshot they got to do this card <laughs> that Cubs fan got. The Brazos went up against Dusty Wolf, Rick Patterson, and El Vikingo. Sure. And then our main event, which is on tape and on YouTube, Latin Lover and Primero Especial went up against the Sanguinario and Sangre Chicana in a Mascara Concha Caballero match. Hmm. So yeah, that's on YouTube for sure. So everybody go check that out. And UWA was in uh, El Torreo, Cuatro Caminos, Tacapan, August 2nd. Celestial, Celestial and Matematico team with Sato. Bix. That would be, uh, at the time, uh, the former uh, Sakagaki Gantesu, the future Dick Togo. Richard Togo, yes. Maybe Cassandra. <laughs> yes, Richard Cassandra. Togo of the New York Foundation. <laughs> yes. Cassandra, Lobo Rubio, and Zeus. Bucanero Jr., Cajal, Scopido Jr., and Shua Guerrero defeated Flecha, Granapache, Ojo del Tigre, and Tortillo Karateka won, where Scorpio cheated the, pin, the karate turtles in a mass match. 
Gran Hamada and Vianos 4 and 5 beat Babyface, Black Power, and Negro Navarro by DQ. Dos Caras and Enrique Vera and Viano Tesoro defeated Buffalo Allen, Bad News, El Signo in the Killer, and Connect retained the NWA Heavyweight title, beating Coquina Maximus, Yokozuna. Hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's known here the new Japanese wrestlers had a name called Kuroniko, and that's New Japan Freeland wrestler Batcat. Do you know where the name comes from, Chris? Where's the name come from, Bix? Kuroniko is Japanese for Blackcat. And that's funny because he had already worked there. In the 80s, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, He's not new. Do you want to guess which Karate Turtle number one is? Who is it? That would be Rocky Santana. Uh, of course it would be. Yes. All right, it's halftime. So have some great 1992 commercials. We'll pivot to halftime, where again, we'll talk about our Patreon. We'll uh, plug some stuff, like IWTV, private internet access... And all the other things we got to plug. And then we'll come back to the U.S. where we'll talk about a venue change for ECW, the end of South Atlanta Pro Wrestling, Ricky Morton uh, showed up at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Atlanta TV block changes, and Jerry Lawler dead? All that more after the break. The Olympics Triple Cast has been making history. Three cable channels bringing you live coverage of the events you want to see with no interruptions and no commercials. The reviews are in. The LA Times says the Triple Cast is triple terrific. The Wall Street Journal says cheers for the Triple Cast. Those who've seen it love it. More of the Dream Team, more boxing, more track and field, more of what you always watch the Olympics for. And now it's even better. Now a day of three-channel non-stop Olympic action can be yours for a special reduced price of only $19.95. See the glory of the Olympics as it happens. Watch your favorite events in their entirety or switch from event to event. For only $19.95 a day, you're in control. Some offers may differ, so call your local cable operator. Order the Olympics Triplecast at the special new price of only $19.95 a day and experience Olympic history as it happens. You'll see what you've been missing. Unleash yourself in the mind maze. Free your imagination. Escape your reality. It's a perfect place. Drift into another world where everything is what you make it. It's magic. It's the mind maze. The mind maze. Where it's all in your imagination. 1-900-933-9283. Adults 18 and over only. $5 per minute. And yet there's still only one place dedicated to giving it your way. And is the number one maker of chicken sandwiches. We're the one, not one, but two. We're the one made just for you. Great taste the chicken on a bun. We're the one. How about being my partner? Gonna kill a couple of no-good cowboys. For what? For cutting up a lady. It was a time when lawmen were killers. Outlaws were heroes. So you still have that Spencer rifle, huh? And a bad reputation. I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. Was as good as gold. Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, Richard Harris. Unforgiven. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 7th. Come to a place where the unbelievable is real. Oh, my 
God. <laughs> and dreams become visions of truth. You've been unconscious for 40 years. <laughs> Amazing Stories, the movie, on USA. Tuesday and Thursday at 9, 8 Central. Welcome back. I'm Gilbert Gottfried, USA Up All Night. And this is Tranquil TV. Offering you the sanctuary that other programs can't even dream about. And as we head to the Tranquility Base, we're watching the very soothing State Park. And coming up, a note to the filmmaker. Next time your brother-in-law tells you he's not an actor, You ought to check this out! Believe him. State Park on USA Up All Night. Life is beautiful, don't you think? All right, we're back, and hope you enjoyed all those great 1992 commercials. It's fifth and a half time seven to show. We're beginning to talk about our Patreon, patreoncom sheets. and of course we had the plug at the beginning of the show as we have a brand new Patreon show out for uh, part four of our Titan series on Titan Gate. The last part of it, the end, and uh, yeah, a lot of extra stuff there. Um, remember, I gotta check that out. Um, it's the perfect ending, I thought, to uh, what we've talked about, and um, yeah, again, everything well worth your uh, five dollars a month. So, listen to that, all the other shows we've done of the Titan Gate series, and everything else we've done in our in our six almost six full years. Of the Patreon. So everybody go there, patreon.com slash twin sheets, and put down that $5 to get the audio. Now, there are other tiers as well. You got a dollar tier, you can put a dollar down, and you'll get access to the Discord, thanks in this segment, which we'll do in just a minute. $25 allows you to pick a show for the week. Now, m make sure that when you do that, you have uh, two shows in mind because it's a show that you might want to do, we might not be able to do because it's something we may have already done. Or something that somebody else has already had picked up in the calendar. So uh, always have that in your mind as we as uh, you want to get that done. And um, thirty day rules in effect, of course. Ten year rules in effect, of course. Wednesday to Tuesday on our timeline. Uh, hey, if you if you have any questions, just get one of us, and uh, we'll try to help you the best we can. Let us know why you want to do the show as well. So uh, you do all that, follow the protocol on the Patreon website, you should be good to go. $50 is I you send in for a segment of that show if you want to. It's up to you. And 100 for the whole show, if you choose. At patreon.com slash between the sheets. All right, Bix, who have to this week is our new and or returning patrons? Well, even with these all being before the new show came out, we got a pretty solid list here, I'm guessing, because of the news of uh, the week. Uh, spurring some interest, so we would like to thank Z. Paul Thomas. Thanks, Z. Paul. Got an annual subscription from Michael Farrell. Thanks, Michael. And that's fifty forty yearly. Yes, this shows a different Six. amount, but I'm assuming it's an exchange rate from another country. Uh, save sixteen uh, percent. Yes. Uh, then we've got. Let me make sure I'm reading this one right. Bob Mandoodle. Thanks, Bob Mandoodle. James Brennan. Thanks, James. Marco Fonseca. 
Thanks, Marco. Ryan Cavanaugh. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, I know this guy. It says Jonathan, but John Pine. Thanks, John. And Chris Samsa. Thanks, Chris Samsa. So we thank all you new patrons, old patrons, patrons that have been there from the beginning, patrons that have come along the way. We thank all of you for your support at patreon.com slash between the sheets. All right, IWTV, Bix, what's going on in that world this week? A lot, I can tell you that. Yeah, with much of it happening in the beautiful scenic city of uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the surrounding area. That is correct. Yes, because Monday, the day this comes out, we've got the season finale of Southeast First Presents Uncharted Territory. Mm Mm-hmm. Did I say Uncharted Territory? Uncharted Territory. We both have had some uh, issues on this week's show of saying words, so... Yes. Although Words is back on Twitter. I saw that. Yeah. Who knows who's under the gimmick? It could be somebody completely different. Or it's Ultramantis. Well, who knows now? Well, on Uncharted Territory finale, we've got Adam Priest versus Kevin Koo, Jaden Newman versus Tony Deppin, knockout or tap-out match between Eric Royal and Joe Black, Marcus Mathers versus Tank, Merrick Donovan versus Shug D in a no holds barred match, an elimination three way with Ashton Starr versus Rico Gonzalez versus Rob Kiljoy, and in your last Discovery Gauntlet match of the season, Noah Hossman against H2O's Austin Luke. And then we move on to Thursday night, where we've got TWE the night before, also at the TWE Arena. Only two matches listed on the IWTV site right now, which are Tank versus Pete Youngblood and Manders versus Jaden Newman. So, yeah, I'm sure they will have other matches, of course. Yes. From the who knows who's going to be there from SCI. So, and speaking of. Yes, SCI night one, Phoenix City Invitational from beautiful Saudi Daisy High School in uh, what town technically is in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee? In Saudi Daisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry Gordy's Alma Manor. Yes. Dan so, Thring Wilson. Yes. So we've got your first round of uh, Space Jesus, Billy Starks versus Robert Martyr, Eli Knight versus Myron Reed, Hoodfoot versus Orion Bishop, Damian Tangra versus our dear friend Daniel Maccabe. More on him in a minute. Uh, Cole Radrick versus Adam Priest, Jaden Newman versus Ashton Starr, Trisha Dora versus Masha Slamovich, and Violence is Forever Explodes, Dominic Greeny versus Kevin Cooper. Which, I tell you, that's going to be a hell of a fucking match. Because yeah. they'll, they'll hold nothing back against each other. No, those two best friends are going to beat the shit out of each other. Yes. Now, then, yeah. Oh, go I was going to say, in night, in night two, the at least on IWTV right now, the only uh, non-tournament match listed is Jack Stane versus Tank. What was that name again? Jack Stane. Jack's? Oh, Jack Stane. Yes. I was thinking you said Jack Stane. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack Stain, yes. Well, we did just talk about, well, we, in the recording order, we just talked about Big D. So now we're talking about Jack Stain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Daniel Bacabe, our dear friend, did a, uh, a song. He wrote a song of his own um, set to the... Um, Riff of t- Talking Baseball, a song from the early 80s, 
that was that came out that was a tribute to uh, baseball in the, the the old days, and he did a version of that about the Scenic City Invitational. So let's play that, shall we? And let's yep. listen to uh, young Dan uh, Serenatus with his tune. Young Dan, isn't he a few months older than me? He's younger than me, so okay. Well. Well, Billy Starks had done it, the rumble match, she won it. Well, Tanger's been announced for quite a while. Adam Priest is oh so versatile. While Hood put Anna Ryan brawling down the aisle, the scenic city is back inside. He daisy scenic city. Cool Roderick's kind of crazy. Greenies grotesque as swollen ears. <laughs> Jaden Newman is bound to get some cheers. We're talking Trish and Masha. Both scheduled to appear. <laughs> okay. The Scenic City is back in Chattanooga. Scenic City, including Kevin Kuya. Ashton Starr is hoping to succeed. Eli Knight's gonna rest some Myron Reed. We're talking Robert Martyr. And hoping I don't bleed. <laughs> That's the best part. At the end, he's, he's got his blood-soaked... Um, Jersey from last year hanging up on the wall, and when he ends the song, he points up at it and he's like, "No." <laughs> Have you ever heard the original, the song that talking inspired baseball? this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, of course I do, and of course I know also know the Simpsons talking softball too, well, where I believe they actually got Terry Cashman to do it, didn't they? Yeah, well, yeah. Let's let, let's play Terry Cashman real quick so people could get may, may not know they'll understand. The deal here. So we'll play little Terry Cashman talking baseball. And Terry Cashman would also do updated versions over the years, too. Yeah, this is the original. But that they would play on, like, sports talk stations and stuff. Yeah. So it's technically Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, parenthesis, talking baseball. Yeah. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially with... Mickey and the Duke. There you go. And of course. Well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clemens clucking all the while. 
Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile. <laughs> While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile, we're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Manningly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. <laughs> Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. <laughs> We're talking softball from Maine to San Diego. Talking softball, Mattingly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen Holy jaw. jaw. Steve Sachs and his running Run with, with the law. We're talking Fucking Homer, Ozzy Ozzy. and the Straw. <coughs> and yes, he is credited as special guest voice, Terry Cashman. That's classic. So yes, Damakabe, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Yes, and uh, also part of CI Weekend, of course, on Saturday afternoon, there's the action slash Cedic City Future Showcase Tournament. Where yes. uh, no non-tournament match is listed on the IWTV site right now, but you're uh, yeah, two th- excuse me three three ways, and then the winners go on to a final. So we've got Billy Tipton versus BK Westbrook versus Jeffrey John, Brogan Finley versus Rico Gonzalez versus Zach Mosley, and Noah Hosman versus Lobo Okami versus Proc the Croc, and uh, I can there only one of those matches I think is not is remotely difficult to predict. But <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will. Yes. Uh, what else do we have? Freelance has a show also on uh, Friday night at 9 Eastern, if that's your thing, instead of watching SCI. Uh, Kylie Ray in action against Darren Corbin, among other matches. Um, Not Baron Corbin, Darren Corbin, yes. Yes. Oh, that would be quite the match. Baron Corbin against uh, Kylie Ray. Yeah. Oh, we've got three match. Excuse me, three live streams on Friday night because we've also got uh, Northern Federation of Wrestling in beautiful Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, at oh, the uh, the new American Corican Hall or the Mecca, as everyone calls it these days. As we've got uh, among other matches, Kid Bandit versus Akira, Yoya versus Marcus Mathers versus Alec Price. Uh, what else do we have here? Austin Luke versus Griffin McCoy. And and more, including the Ellis Taylor Open Challenge. And uh, I think uh, our friend MLJ should be doing <coughs> commentary on this, if, since I think he was on the last show. So Wait, Well, maybe. People might want to check that out. And yeah, that's it for the live streams. And then I guess we'll mention as far as on demand, because this was not an advertised live stream last week, uh, AIW Absolution is uh, up. Because they, with the Akron shows, I don't know why. I don't know if it's an internet issue that hasn't proved to be an issue, but they haven't really been promoting those live streams in advance. But they did stream it live. I've only seen the main event. I did see that live, which was uh, Joshua Bishop winning the vacant absolute and intense titles, defeating Derek Dillinger in a barbed wire match. And that was every bit what you'd expect from that match. But I haven't seen the rest of the show yet, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. So. If you are not already a subscriber to IWTV, use code BTSPOD at sign up and we will get a referral fee for as long as you stay a paid subscriber. So independentwrestling.tv, code BTSPOD. 
Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I did forget one thing, though. Almost, well, almost forgot. Did you see uh, a week or so ago the uh, <laughs> uh, referee Gina's Dylan Hale's costume? No, I did not. Hold on. Let me send you this. Apparently, this is not the first time she's done something like this. You're familiar with Gina, though, right? The uh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, she's been the head referee for Uncharted territory, but and previously was Northeast based, but I believe lives in Florida now. Uh, let me find it because I know I quote tweeted it. So if I search for myself tweeting the word Gina, I should be able to find it. There we go. Okay, she changed her username when she tweeted this. She changed it to Dylan D I L L O N Hales H A I L S. But, but uh, let me send you this. No backpack, as some people pointed out. But that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, back definitely need the backpack. Yes. But there you go. How about that? Yeah. Well, I guess with the backpack, someone might also think she's Lauderdale, and I'm I'm sure Dylan would not like that. <laughs> um, maybe not. All right, uh, let's talk about private internet access, shall we? Today's episode of Between the Sheets is sponsored by private internet access, America's number one virtual private network. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data, many times even selling it. But private internet access can help. Private internet access encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network administrator. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content from around the world. Private Internet Access comes with easy-to-use apps and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the number one uh, fastest VPN in the world by PC Mag. Number one. None better. If you sign up for Private Internet Access right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for Between the Sheets listeners. Let's talk about that, shall we? There are three plans that we offer to you. Monthly plan, eleven ninety five a month, if you want to go that direction. You can do it for a year. You can pay three thirty three a month or thirty nine ninety five for that year. Or you can take the big one. Three years plus four free months, $1.98 a month, 83% off. Or $79 for all three years. Can't beat that deal, folks. So that's the one I would go with. It's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take their 30-day risk-free challenge. Try it out for 30 days. See if you like it. If not, just turn for a full refund. So how do you get that, you might ask? Well, you go to privateinternetaccess.com slash twin sheets and try out the best damn VPN on the planet completely risk-free. All right, next week on Between the Sheets, we go back to 1989, where we will be discussing uh, in the World Wrestling Federation, Dave Meltzer attending a big TV taping in the Bay Area. So we'll have a rundown from him and uh, other news from that taping, from uh, including a, a fan report, which is interesting. We'll have uh, news on Zeus and, and the impact he's making in the company, and uh, we'll have some other WF-related stuff here. In Japan... We'll go there as uh, they're they're running some stuff in the tours, All Japan, New Japan, and stuff like that. So we'll have that. Giant Baba having issues with Gong Magazine. We'll talk about that and some other things. Then uh, we got, uh, of course, other international in the U.S. on the uh, indie scene. We got Memphis. We got uh, Eric Gambier, PY Chu High, having their major cage match. 
to determine the fate of world-class championship wrestling. We'll talk about that. We'll have all kinds of other stuff going on. And then in the, the NWA, <clears throat> we'll have uh, Ric Flair is now the head of the booking committee. So we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about uh, uh, some wild television stuff, some unruly fans in New Orleans, Ricky Steamboat leaving the NWA, and how it was actually handled on television, and a lot more next week on Between the Sheets. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Zellner, K-R-I-S-Z-E-L-L-N-E-R. Show proper at BT Sheets Pod, Bix at David Bix. And Bix, what's going on in your world this week? Who even knows anymore? Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Well, because we recorded last week, uh, the day before the world ended. Um, well, I mean, well, fan fight is still going to exist for another month or so. Mel Magazine has uh, folded again. You never even got a chance to plug anything with Mel Magazine. Well, I did. <laughs> I, oh, since they came back? I did the, well, yeah. no, the, the Patterson article. No, you didn't plug it because you, you were talking about going to do it and never did. Are you sure? Yeah. No, I definitely talked about, about it on here, I think. I don't think you did. I you did because no, because remember I plugged the I plugged the Briscoe and JBL thing too. For Mel, I got, well, I'm, I mean because that was I, I went on there to talk about the article. Yeah, because I, I must have tuned it out. Well, <laughs> no, it, no, I'm about no, no. You had something coming up. Oh well, who knows what's going on with that? That you weren't going to talk about yet. Well, it's, that's what I'm talking about. Who knows where it's going with, right now? <laughs> yeah, what she was going to do for Mel. Yeah, and there was another thing I was going to do for them too, probably. That who knows right now, but we'll see. But I'll I'll, I'll have a few. There's more always things. Mail Magazine. Well, that's not real. So, but yeah, there will be a few more things at Fan Fight in the next month. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, these signs are dropping like flies, ain't they? Yeah, yeah. And everyone at Mail got screwed because they there was like apparently there was a roadmap for longer, and instead they they just decided to cut bait after a year the new owners oh well what a wonderful business that i desperately do not want to be part of anymore <laughs> well on that note let's get back to the rest of the show well let's move on to the u.s now in the indie scene there let's start with eastern championship wrestling philadelphia sports bar where todd gordon's ecw ran regular shows closed down this past week and this, I believe, then, is when they moved to the Chestnut Cabaret. That's right. Well, they were there for quite a bit before they uh, made the arena their regular home. Yeah, I remember uh, getting, I think it was maybe one of the observers right after this, and trying to squint as a child to read that font and trying to figure out what the deal was with this ECW promotion running the Chestnut Cabinet. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point in time, they probably could have ran a cabinet. They had to. So. <laughs> I'm looking real quick to see. Okay, so they had actually yet they had started running the Chestnut Cabaret the night after the last original sports bar show, and then they yeah. run Chestnut Cabaret, the Aztec Club, and other uh, fine uh, Philadelphia establishments. Yes. South Atlanta Pro Wrestling, well, they're coming to an end. They ran what they're probably their last three shows, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. July 30th in Royston, Georgia, saw PN News. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, go to double count out with a Night Stalker. Wahoo Medanyev hit Shaska Watley. 
Bamba. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at Tasca Bambi. Bamba. Bamba is what they did later. <laughs> That's what, uh, what's that, 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 that Richie Fallon saying? La Bamba, right? Uh, Bambi over Peggy Lee Leather. Blah, 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 blah. The Ring Lords over Chaz Rocco and Scott Studd by DQ. So we have Peggy Lee Leather working a show with a stud. And Neil Superior beat Ebony Austin. Then July 31st in Darlington, South Carolina, saw Shaska Wildly Pin PN News. I bet, I bet that was a hoot. N- Neil Superior over um, Ebony Austin again. Colt Steele beat David Isley. And the Ring Lords over Rocco and Tripper Max by DQ. And August 1st in Sarah Gordo, North Carolina. So Wahoo goes to double counter with Shaska. Cole Steele over David Isley. PN News over Austin. Ring Lords over Rocco and Mass by DQ. And Dave says, in all likelihood, the company no longer exists. And, and I believe does. that's correct. Yeah. They, I mean, they went for two plus years. You know. Lasted longer than some of their other uh, 1990s startup counterparts. Yeah. So you got to give them that, Bex. That's something you can give them, yes. Bamba. <laughs> I was looking at Shaska. So, what can you say? <laughs> I Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which is you know trying to take some of the spot stuff Atlanta was running. August first on television, we have a promo from Ricky Morton as uh, he's coming to aid Robert Gibson in his feud with the Stud Stable. So let's go to Ricky Morton in his backyard, shall we? You know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, like everybody else has. But you see, I was in a situation where I've lost everything in my life. Anything that ever meant anything to me, I lost it. When that happened, I turned against friends. I turned against family. But one thing was for sure, when family fights, it's all right. But nobody else interferes. That's why I got old to you, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. Because one thing you've done is you got the Rock and Roll Express back together. Because I don't care what it takes, brother. You do not lay a hand on Robert Gibson. Myself, I think it's all right. But you see, I'm in a situation now where I told you I lost everything I had. And I know it was a big mistake. I even come out here and told everybody in the world I never even signed another autograph. I was wrong because at the time I got offered a big contract. Money. Money supposed to make the difference in my life, but money made nothing. Because I had nobody to stand behind me like all the fans that used to. But one thing I know for sure is... And myself and Robert Gibson were four times world tag team champions. Nobody's ever come close to that record. Nobody's even come close to our winning, our won and loss record. So be sure on that. But one thing is for certain, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, the Rock and Roll Express is going to reunite. And we're going to reunite with you. So we don't care what it takes. Like I told you before, we're the best tag team in the world today. And Robert Gibson, you know. And I hope you do, brother. But I'll stand beside you through thick and thin. I'll be there when the door's open. Why is it that whenever we watch Smokey from this era, I have an urge to buy a shoe phone? <laughs> well, that music is uh, very uh, notable. Yes, with the uh, Sports Illustrated ads that we would see on ESPN and the like. Um, I presume he what... is talking about his first divorce here. Uh, I guess. Because remember, that was the whole thing where his his child support was set 
by a WCW contract, and I don't think it was his mid ninety. I don't think he was under contract. Well, he's mainly talking about the Your Foundation angle or anything else. But the lost everything thing. Well, yeah, but that that's kind of a reason why he did the Your Foundation, why he did what he did. I thought he was saying he's coming back because he's lost. He's seen the light because he's lost everything. No, I mean he lost everything, but he, he's the Your Foundation is the reason why he did what he did. Okay. And I, again, I do like the thing where he, you know, he talks about, well, I can touch Robert Gibson, but nobody else can. Hmm. So it was very interesting watching Smokey and USWA at the same time in this era, because we'll talk about this, you know, when we get to USWA. I mean, there's talent overlap going on here and there's stuff going on in both promotions. It's just interesting to watch the television shows at the same time. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the Memphis TV was being seen. In some markets where Smokey was being seen as well. So I'm definitely sure that there was probably some uh, interesting reactions from some of the fans there. Mm-hmm. So but anyway, great promo, though. I mean, and Ricky comes in and good Lord of mercy. I mean, that Rock and Roll Express run is a hell of a fucking run in Smokey Mountain. Totally revitalized him because, I mean, you look at the Rock and Roll Express. And, I mean, they had when they, they had the 1990 comeback run. They had the main event with Doom. They start, you know, after that Great American Bash pay-per-view, they start trickling them down a little bit. Robert gets hurt. You know, Ricky has his little singles run as a heel. But, I mean, yeah, they were pretty down as far as consciousness. And this comeback here, which starts in Memphis, and then comes to Smoky Mountain, and then... That run of Smoky Mountain, I mean, that's that's a total rebirth for them. And it probably helped that they hadn't been teaming for a few years. And and they're they're in a in a market where they had worked in WCW, but they hadn't been working as a regular territory. Right. So that's a whole other different thing. Well, they did work Knoxville and the Tri Cities with Crockett. That's what I'm saying, but it it's not as full time territory run. Right? No. No, even even if Croc, right, yeah, Crockett's running those towns once a month at, at at the most. Well, I mean, Smokey's running once a month too, but yeah, but they're running the area. Yeah, it's devoted to that area. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, WVEU Channel 69 Atlanta will most likely be cutting back to just one or two wrestling shows from its big block come September. Scott Norton and Stephen the Truth have quit doing any wrestling announcement for wrestling this week. Be a part of the slicing process. Joe Pettacino talked with one other station in line, but talks weren't promising, and he may fully get out of the wrestling business as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Superstars Wrestling's over with. They do two hours of wrestling about uh, on Saturdays after that with no wraparounds. It's just the TV shows. Yeah, although those go, those go away for long. So At least going by newspapers.com, though something called Pro Wrestling This Week sticks around on Channel 69 through September 93. I don't know what that would have been. <laughs> so let me see what time slot this last one in September '93 is, and that is 2 a.m. It says late night Saturday. I don't know if that means Saturday night or Friday night. Yeah, I don't remember that. So, oh, it's okay. Saturday. Uh, wait, what day's paper is this? This is a Sunday. Uh, yeah, okay, I can't tell. So when do you remember any kind of pro wrestling this week or pro wrestling 92 or whatever ending? When the block ended. So you don't know what this last year would have been? 
I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. You have no Zero. recollection of any late night show? Mm-mm. No. Hmm. Interesting. Not at all. You know, I used to have that on tape that very last night, and I fucking taped over. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you had held on to it and then accidentally taped over it, or? Yeah, something like that. Okay, okay, I have a question. Because I've noticed this, too, like, when we'll see pictures of stuff, people get that they're converting and all that. Like, am I the only person who routinely took the tabs off the tapes? Yes. You know, that doesn't mean you can't ever tape over it. You just have to put a piece of scotch tape over the... Well, I've done that. Okay. (laughs) I did that with tapes that had them off there and taped over them. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if I ever accidentally taped over anything. Or at least something I had been intending to keep. It happens. It is what it is. But, um, yeah. Wish I went and had, but whatever. All right. ICWA. I have a show from them and uh, the Sportatorium in Tampa on July 30th. Gary Maggs over Jeff Bradley. Malenko students. Denny Brown over Mad Bill Dane. Tex Salinger, Lance Russell's friend, went to a draw with Frankie the Thumper Lancaster. Cuban assassin over the Stormtrooper, I didn't even want to flag. Coconut Man went to a WQ with Lucifer. Steve Collins playing Lucifer. And how about this? You got Lucifer and Kevin Sullivan's in the main event. Team with Kevin, Kendall Windham and Mark Starr being Dean Malenko, Lou Perez, and Jimmy Backlund. Sure, why not? <laughs> That's a match. Dean Malenko, Lou Perez, and Jimmy Del Rey. That's a Florida All-Star main event right there. Yeah? But we continue in Florida. Sun Coast for pro wrestling on July 31st in Palmetto. So the Big V, Vern Henderson, and Jerry Flynn, they notes the PWF in Japan, win the tag titles from the Southern Posse, Rick Thames and Sonny Trout. Enrico Frederico, oh, kept the Florida title, beating Raul Mata. And Dean Malenko beat the Superstar, which is Bob Cook under a mask. Funny seeing Big V and Southern Posse, you know, in a main spot on this show. Yeah. And now let's go to the USWA. And the Pro Wrestling Torch leads off. Dave Brown had to announce on WMC TV News during the week that Jerry Lawler did not die in a car accident. Rumors spread like wildfire about Lawler's death so much that a TV station was getting calls from the newspapers wondering about Lawler's status. There's no word on how the rumors got started. Wow. Okay. When it gets that bad where you got to go on TV and debunk a rumor about somebody dying. <laughs> Who knows? But it, it became obviously big enough. Clearly. Can't ever tell. After <laughs> getting his head shaved on July 27, Richard Lee came on television with a wig on, but claimed he was his real hair because he got a hair growing potion from Moondoll Fifi. Women wrestler Diane Von Hoffman dressed up as a female moon dog. They then asked for another tag title match along the third in Memphis, but this time Fifi will put her hair up to get a shot at the titles. They shaved a woman's hair off maybe 15 years ago when Lawler was feeling Bill Dundee, when Lawler was a heel, and Dundee put up his wife, now ex-wife's hair, up and they shaved her. Many years later, Lawler put his wife's hair up in a match with Dundee, but Lawler naturally won that one. That had to get under Beverly Dundee's crawl. When Paula Lawler put her hair up, but she didn't lose. Hmm. 
MVP lost her hair. So there's that. She lost that match. All right, okay. on television, Mike Samples, who did a great job in his Vincent Mann role before, but since this giving up the gimmick and wrestling hasn't done nearly so well. And Brian Christopher beat Billy Joe Travis and the Hornet, Ron Oaks, on television when Lauren Davenport sprayed hairspray in Billy's eyes. And yes, the Hornet is doing a Sting ripoff gimmick. Reno Riggins debuted, acting like he's from Reno, Nevada, doing a bad interview that didn't get it over, but his work in the ring was decent. All right, we're going to play this. So let's listen to one Reno Riggins, shall we? And let's just see how bad his interview was. All right, just waiting right here. Got uh, someone new I'd like to introduce you to as he heads to the ring right here. We can, yeah, here, bring him on around here and uh, talk to him just for a moment. That is Reno Riggins, new to the USWA. And uh, don't know a whole lot about him, but I've heard mighty, mighty good things. And we'll be looking at him for the first time here in just a moment. He's got a match uh, scheduled. So uh, as he uh, comes this way, let's, uh, let's get a word or two. Reno. He looks like someone ordered Scotty Flamingo on Wish.com. <laughs> and Richie Sambora, which is where Scotty Flamingo took that gimmick from. So, yes. From Bon Jovi. Doing very good. Dave Brown, welcome to the area, and uh, we're glad to have you in the USWA. Well, I'm glad to be had. I'm here, baby. I'm ready to get this thing on. Well, you've got a good match scheduled here today, and uh, you're a, your opponent, I don't know too much about him, but good luck to you there. And uh, again, all around the territory, there's some tough competition here. Very tough competition. We've got the Moondogs. They've got them wild, crazy guys running around here left and right. you got the Gilbert Brothers. Of course, you got Legend Lawler. You've got Jeff Jarrett. You've got great top-notch caliber wrestlers. Here in this area, these people really are getting a treat today because this guy right here I'm getting ready to wrestle. I've wrestled him in Japan. I've wrestled him in Germany. Tough caliber wrestler. I'm getting ready to go in here and see what I can do against him today. But I'm ready to take on all comers. My name is Reno Riggins, and when I'm in the ring, I'm going to give you 210% against anybody that I plan to go against, whether it be the Moondogs, whether it be the Gilberts, whether it be uh, Brian Christopher. Any one of these guys. So I'm just here to prove myself. Very good. Well, thank you very much for stopping by. Let's let you uh, let's let you show us uh, yourself in action here as you head up to the uh, ring. Uh, opponent is uh, Bert Spears. He said he's wrestled this guy before in different parts of the world. And I, different I, I, parts I, of the world. Don't recall him saying what his record was against him, but uh, we'll see uh, how he does here today in uh, this uh, single match in Japan the USWA, and Germany, first bitch. look at Reno Riggins. Bird Spears. I put a warm-up jacket yeah. there and hat. We're flamboyant the, uh, out. Security. Bell Johnson, here we go. Reno Riggins, first look uh, at him in the USWA. Yes, the Bert Spears and Reno Riggins, they, were, they had matches in Japan and Germany together. Well, hey, he's trying to make a name for himself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. And Reno ended up doing pretty well in Memphis, so, you know, give it to him. Eric Ember returned from his wing tour, and they're saying he's been out of action with an eye injury caused by Mike Sample, so they're feuding. He's, not, he's been a babyface now. Television main event saw Lawler and Jarrett against the Gilberts, which ended by DQ when Lauren Davenport interfered. McSexus made the save. Moondall Phoebe hit McSexus with a chair. And the Moondolls attack Lawler and Jared again, as always. So let's go watch the end of the main event, shall we, and see how wild it gets. Right into the ring pole, Dougie's gear looks very familiar. And he's got bleached blonde hair like Eddie. Yes, but he's got the Dark Patriot gear on. Yes, he's wearing the Dark Patriot exact gear. Yes. 
Doug Gilbert. Snap Jeff. Drops him with that suplex. Oh, my goodness. He doesn't go for the cover. Hey, yeah, Jeff moves out of the way, goes for the tag, and gets it on the king. Here's Lawler. Lawler going to work on Eddie and Doug Gilbert. Tag team matches. Jerry Lawler and Jeff Burns going up against Eddie and Doug Gilbert. Look at Jeff. Lawler's over. Davenport back in the ring, pulling the head of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, watch this Davenport in here. And now. Here's Miss Texas. Referee's off of the bell. There comes Bulldog Fifi in there. Oh, boy. Fifi. The Bulldog. We've got to go to break. We'll be back after this. Special time again next week, 9.30. Until then, for Corey Macklin, I'm Dave Brown. So long, everybody. <laughs> That's why they go to break so damn quick. They're running, they're running t time there. Moondog Fifi nailed Miss Texas with that clothesline. Good Lord of mercy. She can take it. Oh, yeah. All right, that was on August 1st. That night in Nashville, they drew 900 fans about triple the usual house. How about that? That's Tony Fault beat Reno Riggins. Not a good debut for Reno Riggins. The Horn over uh, Mike Miller by disqualification. Miss Texas over Laura Devonport by count out. The dirty white boy Eric Embry over Mike Samples and someone else. <laughs> That's what it says. Someone else. No idea who that someone else is. Too sexy. Brian Christopher over Dr. Tom to keep the Southern title. It won't air that Pritchard had won the belt until the following week on national television, so that's how they work the programs there, because it's a week behind. Frank Morrell over Richard Lee by DQ and the Moondogs interfered. Rock and Roll Express went to the DQs with the Gilbert. And the Moondogs over Jeff Jarrett and Robert Fuller were all full doing a stretcher job. And Jarrett won a pole battle royal. And this is playing off what I talked about a while ago. Interesting that Smokey Mountain Heels, Dr. Tom, Dirty White Boy, Robert Fuller, and Dutch Mantel all work as baby faces in Memphis. Apparently, no market carries both television shows, so most fans don't know any of this. Well, I guess I answered my question. Hmm. Atlanta did, though. <laughs> I guess they don't count. You you had Smokey from the beginning, pretty much? Smokey aired. For, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And Rock and Rolls had just reunited in Memphis during, with Ricky and Eddie feuding. Robert come in to help Ricky against uh, Eddie and Doug. And, uh, yeah, Dr. Tom was babyface, Dirty White Boy was babyface, Robert Fuller's with Jeff, you know, coming and helping out, Dutch is working shots. So, yeah, it was definitely was interesting watching the, the different uh, characters here, the dynamics on these two TV shows. So, if nobody in the market that's important is watching it, then I guess it's, you know, it helps out. It's okay. Right. You don't have that type of confusion going on. You know, we're, I mean, we're point, we're past the point of that being, a, I guess, a major problem. You know, that really happens when Lawler's healing and on world class and then on Memphis TV being still Jerry Lawler, you know, mm -hmm. that was a problem. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Metroplex Global Wrestling Federation. On July 31st at the Sportatorium, they drew 1565, which is large crowd in a long time. Although virtually all were freebies since there were a lot of radio station giveaways. 
and that all General Motors employees were admitted free. Plus, they had 50-cent beer night, which probably had more to do with whatever paid attendance there was as compared to the matches. Yeah, that would help. 50-cent beers. Can't beat that. No, other than they're free. All right. Uh, complete results on Regent Bull Man Fernandez, who was pretty much running the show as the booker. Although Skandar Etbar holds the official title as booker. Be Hurricane Mike. Tugboat Taylor and pin the Master Avenger, Rick Guerin. Kendo Nagasaki over Jimmy James. Steve Do It To It Cox and Jeff Gaylord over Black Bart and Johnny Mantell by disqualification when Manny interfered. Skip Young over Maniac Mike Davis by countout. Black Bart over Chas Taylor with Stephen Dane and Alexis interfered. The Pug, Alex Porto, won the GWF Lightweight Talk from Terry Sims using the trunks. Ebony Experience over Gary Young and Stephen Dane and win the tag titles when Atbar's interference backfire. John Tatum managed by Atbar and Scott Pusky. Nagasaki and Rob Price over uh, Gary Young and Dodie Coyote. Manuel Villalobos over Gary Young when Atbar's interference backfired. Raging Bull over Steve Koss when Atbar threw an American flag on the floor and Koss went after Atbar, so Fernandez got him from behind and pinned him. And Scott Pusky pinned Johnny Mantell in a singles match where Ivan Pusky interfered. Thoughts on the results, Bix, before we get into the notes from the show? It feels like permutations of a show I watched every week back then with little variation. Global samey, yes. Yes, yes. Sam Houston was no-showed this show. He was supposed to be the Midnight Rider. Yep. That, that's funny. We did a Q&A segment, and during it, Commissioner Joe Castellini... Talked about bringing in Hulk Hogan. And everyone booed the mention of Hogan's name or said something. Now, of course, Joe Castellini would, uh, <laughs> I believe, eventually be escorted out of the building by the authorities. <laughs> only to return months later uh, with a beard uh, messy clo- and messy clothing, talking about how he was uh, living at a homeless shelter because he had been arrested for racketeering in Sicily. That's how he was bringing Hogan in. He, he wanted to bring him in with that mob money. Something that I'm sure no promoter outside of the U.S. has ever done. <laughs> Kendo Nagasaki did an interview praising Japanese auto technology. Remember, this place was loaded with GM employees <laughs> who got it for free and demeaned the United States auto companies. A Planet fan who was really a local actor who was acting as a General Motors employee challenged Nagasaki to a match for next week. What? Manny Fernandez destroyed the card I was given to Manuel Villalobos as a president to start up their feud. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember should, that. Should, should we briefly explain what uh, <laughs> Manuel Villalobos' gimmick was at this time? <laughs> yes. He was, uh, he was having some hard times and living on some uh, government assistance programs. Yes. And then the, uh, I guess it was, you know, Westway Ford or whatever gave him a car. <laughs> well, actually, it was probably the GM dealer, now that I think about it. And uh, Raging Bull destroyed that car. <laughs> I forget the, if this is before or after we learn that he has uh, qualified for Section 8 housing. <laughs> and he goes on TV with a picture of what looks like an outhouse. <laughs> and gushes about this wonderful new HUD home that he's living in. This, this used to be on YouTube. It's not on no more. I'm fucking pissed. The car angle? Oh, oh, all the global stuff from that era used to be... A lot of that stuff used to be on here, and it's gone. 
No. The, state, the, the, chat, the channel that had it up was, was nuked. I think Rassel Real had it on his original channel. That's not up no more. But. There is, okay, there is a 12-minute video called Manuel Villalo Manny Villalobos versus Manny Fernandez. <laughs> I'm guessing that's just a match. I'm curious. Wait, GWF car? Let's see. Yeah, this stuff just can't find no more, sadly. Ah. It's around, but it ain't on YouTube, and it's, there's other, other ways and means, which take too long. So, All right, former, uh, oh, excuse me, with Fernandez's enthusiasm, they went back to customizing the local broadcast starting on August the 1st. Talking about the car the night before and the show coming up on Friday, Bix. Wow. About that. Minimus is they were doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Former Dallas Cowboy lineman Harvey Martin did color commentary on the show. He'd been doing that for on and off. Oh, and then he does some scintillating ESPN uh, wraparounds in this era, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. There there are some pre-match promos on this one. Let's, let's just see what we've got here real quick. Um, Unfortunately, this is not the more eventful stuff. But... David Webb. I've got my family sitting over there. I'm here to make money and take care of it. I've got my dad and my mom in the hospital. I'm here to make money to get them out. I understand that. You've been a little down on your luck lately, and, and things, the world hasn't been exactly going your way. I know you've been down. Now you've come back to Global to try to make a name. You can sing this song and dance somewhere else, Daddy. On the other side of the border, they might want to listen to you. On this side of the border, as I can see, they don't grow very big as it is. We take care of business our way. And it ain't a song and dance, pal. It's getting in that ring and taking care of business. And that's exactly what I'm here to do. So you take your <laughs> mama and your little <laughs> and get on that side of Come on, boy. Let's go to the ring now, fans. Uh, what did they bleep? I ain't no telling. It's ESPN. <clears throat> did he say pepper picking or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> They aired a birthday party for Brandon Baxter, who does a team beat segment on the show. And Maniac Mike Davis pushed Baxter's face into the cake. But Sebastian, this group's clone of Jameson, ran in and put Mike's face in the cake. Okay, do you remember seeing this? Yes. So, okay. This air, you would have seen this then on the syndicated version. ESPN. Are you sure? Because I was watching every day back then. I don't remember them ever showing the actual angle. I remember them talking about it, but not showing it. And then I eventually <coughs> got a copy from Brandon Baxter, who figured well, maybe, that it aired only in Dallas, maybe. Well, may, maybe it maybe it did air. And maybe I did see it in syndication. Because I, I don't think I have I the saw. syndicated show by this point, but I think you did had it in Atlanta, right? Yeah, or I via saw Atlanta. it. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. So, it's for Sebastian turn heel. So, and Mike Davis turned babyface. So there's that. Gary Hart called that Scanner Upbar's Devastation Incorporated, Defecation Incorporated on television color. <laughs> he was then yanked off the mic in the middle of the match. Uh oh. Probably shouldn't have said that. The Aaron Fernandez destroying Villobos' car with an axe. Villobos <laughs> jumped out of the match trying to stop Fernandez. Rob Price, Jamato, and Gary Young held him while Fernandez destroyed it beyond belief. It was hilarious. Ivan Pesky. Ivan Pesky. Ivan Pesky. Ivan Pesky threatened to come out of retirement to fight Manny Fernandez. <laughs> Ivan Petsky, the po- Polish growler. 
<laughs> is the oh announcer when God. he wrestles Bar Clorance? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Kevin and Carrie Von Eric are making noise about starting their own promotion in this area. Of course they are. And Gary Harvey history in two more weeks. <laughs> well, actually, he's, I mean, he's around late, much later than that, so who knows? All right, well, it's time. Oh, I, I'd have, oh I'd be remiss in not mentioning that uh, Sebastian was brought up during by Tony Khan during the Death Before Dishonor uh, press scrum. Oh, I missed that. When Booker T was brought up, he talked about watching Booker T on Global with Gary Hart and Sebastian. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that didn't excite you enough, Bix. Big D will excite you. Yeah, Big D's. Big D Pro Wrestling. Well, no, I like Dallas. I like Big D, and I, I think there's someone who's uh was it working in the office who likes Big D too, but. <laughs> Big D Pro Wrestling, August second, Dallas, your 208 fans at Sweet Sherry, kind of Mad, Mad Madeline. Big D, Eric Fontaine, and Carl Coates beat the Texas Doll, Ray Evans, and Jimmy James. Oh, Big D teaming with Eric Fontaine, huh? <laughs> Interesting. The Blackbirds kept their Big D tag titles, beating John Tatum and Rob Price. Sean Stevens kept the Big D title, beating Eric Mike when Freddie Fargo interfered and hit Mike with Stevens' Big D belt. And Scott Bradley beat Manny Fernandez by his qualification in the Lumberjack match for using a chair. And uh, Christopher Love was promoting a show at, at Fair Park Coliseum, which was canceled. On August 1st, yes. August the 1st. Oh, Eric Fontaine's here, too, in Big Day, huh? Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's their shared love of Big D. <laughs> Big D coming uh -huh. hard here at this time. <laughs> oh my god! Well, somebody else that knows about Big, well, knows about D. Steve Gatorwolf ran shows on July 29th in Kenta, Arizona, around 2:66, Tuba City, Arizona. You almost said something really terrible. <laughs> A5 fans in Page, Arizona, July 31st, and for from the 486 with himself versus Jimmy Snook on top. Well, that's a match of uh, two totally uh, social reprobates. With double DQs the first two nights, and Gator Wolf win by DQ in the third show. Well, it was Buck Zumoff in the semi. <laughs> Buck Zumoff versus well. Jerry Estrada. <laughs> Buck Zumoff against a Bruiser Bob Sweet Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's two Steve Gator Wolves. <laughs> you got you got to split your. Uh... Your two uh, reprobate activities, but geez. oh my god! Oh. Uh, I'm sure Steve Gatorwolf wrote some angry letters to the Observer about Dave underreporting the attendance or something. Too. <laughs> I'm sure he probably did. And uh, we got a couple of wrestling radio tidbits here. You know, Mike and I quit the Wrestling Insiders Radio Show on Tuesday. The show aired on Saturday on the Sports Entertainment Network with John Studd hosting instead. And John Arezzi's promotion spotlight show remains hanging on by a financial thread with only a 30-minute show this past Saturday night. And he gets a lifeline because he gets Wrestling Insiders. <laughs> yeah. Which we talk about on Patreon.com slash Twin Sheets. Yes. And uh, we, we, you know, didn't get the syndicated show, but we got the 
WEVD Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And the way he handled it, I believe, was because you had like the, the Sports and Entertainment Network like news update going until like five past the hour or whatever. He did a Pro Wrestling Spotlight intro that aired only in New York, and then the rest of the show was Wrestling Insiders. How about that, huh? Yes, yes, but... Uh, well, his uh, backer has been gone for months, the one he had been hoping to rely on, and one uh, <clears throat> vicious Vincent Russo. Yeah. So, yeah, more on that, patreon.com slash between the sheets, both the uh, the Titan Gate shows and also the Russo show we did uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. So everyone check that out. Uh, I'd love to hear, I mean, I, I'd love to hear the Tanae shows in general. I have a morbid curiosity to hear the John Studd shows because he had not been keeping up with current wrestling and apparently did like the most abysmal possible job. <clears throat> oh, I'm not surprised. And then let's close out with the Royal Wrestling Federation. Timely. We're in the pay- talk about our Patreon show uh, in this time period. So uh, we won't have really much of anything from that in here, but still we're all, we're in the same uh, universe. Yes, so. um, I guess we should note the, you mentioned this week had like the Dave Meltzer follow-up in detail point by point on the Penthouse Titan Gate article, but I believe we included that last year with the coverage of the Penthouse article, and it's also on the Patreon show. Yes, so, yeah, patreon.com slash twenty sheets yet again. All right, now this was talked about in Patreon in the, in the show, but we're going to talk about it in depth here. Randy Savage was on the Arsenio Hall show on July 31st talking about the match with Ultimate Warrior. And wouldn't you know it, that Hall filled him a question about steroids. Savage said he didn't use them, but they were poison and told kids not to use them. But admitted experimenting with them at one point. Yeah, and I've experimented with using a typewriter at one point. All right, let's go to Arsenio Hall. And let's watch the interview here with Randy Savage and Arsenio. We should probably note that his previous appearance on Arsenio in 89 is quite possibly the greatest talk show appearance in the history of professional wrestling, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he was Macho King back then as a heel, and now he's Babyface Macho no, Man. He was macho, no, he was Macho Man because he was going into Mania. Oh, it was that far back? I thought he was Macho King when he was in Arsenio. Mm-hmm. If there was okay. a Macho King appearance, then that was another one in between that isn't online. Oh, okay. Right. I'm not sure, though, because the Sherry one that's online is Sherry by herself, isn't it? I mean, I thought he did a Macho King one, so... Anyway. He's the babyface world champion. Have a seat, sir. I'll sit right here. Okay, that's fine with me. I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Hello. (laughs) Stealing Dusty's gimmick. Check it out. Yeah. Can we sit now? Okay. Uh-huh. Now, wait a minute. You got wait a, a minute. Wait, wait. A black boot, a white boot. Oh, you got your belt. I'm not a racist. No, I can understand that. I can understand <laughs> You know what? Let live, Arsenio, man. Don't put me under the gun so quickly. Yeah, well, no, no. I was just going to give you a compliment. I'm thinking you're probably the best dressed man in wrestling. 
Well, isn't that something? You know, I just think that I'm, I just think that I'm the conservative type, you know, like a Wall Street, Harvard, Yale, you know, I mean, no big thing. But if I go on on a wild date, then I'll dress up, you know what I mean? But this yeah. is just kind of a relaxed type atmosphere, I think. Wild okay. date. Right? Uh, now, I All call right, you. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Please agree with him because I'm close, okay? <laughs> He's in the danger zone. Yes, yeah. indeed. You know, speaking of the danger zone, they told me you wouldn't like this, but... So you I, did it anyway. No, no, you... but this this is, um... Uh-huh. It's the ultimate warrior doll. Right. And, um, is it outselling your doll? Is that Not what... at all. Oh, okay. Why didn't you say that? No, I just wondered. Somebody, I, I, I didn't get the proper information. Uh, right, you didn't? No. Uh -huh. Look at the doll. He's marching his It's own not day. outselling your doll. I didn't say that either. He's on the I'm back. saying that uh, I'm too hot to handle, too cold to hold, and whatever <laughs> this guy here is, he's going to have to face me at Wembley Stadium in front of 83,000 people, and he's going to get beat, because I'm the champion, and he's not. <laughs> no problem there, yeah. Can you uh, beat a guy who looks like that? Yeah, I think i got a size advantage on him right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a real, real little guy, you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. He threw the doll. Oh, boy. It's good to have you back. Thank you. I called you mean and macho, but TV Guide called you a psych, a, a, a huge psychotic lizard. What did you mm. think of that? Mm hmm. <laughs> Those are accusations I haven't totally denied. <laughs> but it kind of sounds sexual, so I'll roll with it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> What kind of kid were you? <laughs> Ooh. When I was a macho baby, a lot of people think that I just, uh, you know, like took over, you know, and just said, who's in charge? <laughs> but that wasn't the way it was at all. You know, I was wild and I was shy at the same time. But I worked hard and I played hard and I just want to tell all the kids out there, all the macho maniacs, to stay in school and say no to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I question about jumping around like that you gotta get hurt a lot huh high risk maneuvers what's what they are yeah but you never admit if you get hurt yeah usually i put more injury on myself than the other guy but that's okay because <laughs> i'm stronger than my competition so that's hip yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay that's you're, 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 that. your middle name is macho Oof. but um I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever had some macho man ever cried? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more. But 
I've soared with the eagles and I've slithered with the snakes and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life and that there are no guarantees. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy. So if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up and fight again. And you're a macho maniac. Dig it. Well, you should have a rap album. <laughs> If only Arsenio knew. <laughs> so, what? What? I mean, Savage is great in all this. Uh, doing the, doing this type oh, of yeah. stuff. And yeah. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood. Okay, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to Arsenio. Excuse. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask it from over here. Uh, okay, there was a guy. Con... <laughs> hey, I, I'm a smart guy. Uh, touch <laughs> you. There was a controversy a while back about steroids, and you just gave some advice to kids to stay away from drugs. Have you ever taken steroids? Ooh, you hit me with your best shot right there. All the macho maniacs out there, I'll tell you the truth. I've experimented with anabolic steroids before. Yes, I have. And I did it when it was legal. I don't do it anymore. Anymore. It's been a long time since I did it, but let me tell you something right now. It's like putting poison in your body. Don't do it. Plus, it gave me one hell of a case of PMS. <laughs> and even the silhouette girl knows that she doesn't want that. You know what I mean? You know, so they make you really irritable. It's terrible. Yeah. Right now, I'm cool, calm, and relaxed. <laughs> All right, pause real quick. At least he, I mean, say what you will about the whole thing, but at least he came out and said, yeah, I did him. If Hogan had done that shit, <laughs> there's not how much different the, everything would have been. Right. Hogan doesn't even say experimented. He'd never say, yeah. Yeah, three times for injury rehab. <laughs> and basically. Yeah. I mean, Savage, he came out, he did it when they were legal. And, you know. I don't do them anymore, which, of course, we all know about that. But still, I mean, at least he came out and said that he did them. I just realized something. I can't believe no one ever made this connection before. Do we think the reason Hogan decides to screw Vince and not tell something resembling the truth as planned is because of concerns about the Tampa pipeline? It's possible. I can't it's believe I never possible. thought of that before. I've seen anyone mention that, but it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's plausible. Anyway, we got a little bit left, so let's go back to March. We got about a minute, 20 seconds. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> wrestling is spreading all over the world. Um, how is it in the UK? And, uh, well, that's SummerSlam. That's coming up real soon. And uh, 83,000 tickets were sold out in uh, eight hours. That's not or true. Something like that. So it's raging <laughs> over there. When I walked down that aisle against the Ultimate Warrior, defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt, it's going to be a happening type situation. I just happen to have two. 
Ooh. <laughs> this guy came prepared to bury me. <laughs> That's okay, yeah. I don't know if you can beat this guy. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know if you can beat this guy. It's is that right? right? So this is what's what's going to happen over there, huh? Right. You and him. Me and him, all the way. Only one person could be at the top of the mountain at the particular time that it's happening, and I'm just so sorry to say that he's going to lose and I'm going to win, yeah. Okay. What, what I'm leaving you? Wembley Stadium the champion. I'm going in there the champion. I'm leaving the champion, and I'm going to beat him one, two, three in the middle of the ring and if i didn't do it after uh, it happens then you could say i'm a liar if he beats me i'll shake his hand but he better not turn his back right after that i'll nail him <laughs> <laughs> macho man randy savage hi um real quick Macho King was on our city on February 20th, 1990. It's on YouTube. So that was going into the into the, the main event three, basically. Uh, Warrior had already been on our city. Okay. So this is Savage's third appearance then. Yeah, Warrior had been on there, which is interesting that Arsenio is acting like he never met him before. Hmm. In a way. War I'm watching the Warrior appearance now. Have you ever seen the, the, the Warrior appearance on there? I'm not sure. Warrior shows up running through the crowd. Okay, and I've knocking, seen that. knocking over the set. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry was on with Zeus. That's what it was. Okay. There is a two hour plus compilation of WF guys on Arsenio. That tells you how much they were on there. Two hours. He had a lot of wrestlers on it on this show. Yeah. Does it have a listing? I mean, do we know if there's stuff that's not otherwise on YouTube that's in this compilation? Um, I don't see a listing, no. And it doesn't look like it's in order necessarily. I'm not sure. It goes, Go ahead. Oh, you got Hogan. You got Savage's first appearance. Piper. Piper. Sherry and Zeus. Sherry. Sherry and Zeus. Warrior. Akeem, Boss Man, and Slick. Uh, Gene's, Gene Okerlund's there. Oh, they, oh, that's where they had the match. L.O.D. against Nasty Boys. They had the match in Arsenio. Macho King, Hogan, the infamous Hogan appearance. Yeah, and you can tell these are taken from different sources, too. Heenan so. and Rude. Uh, DiBiase and Virgil. Uh, Hogan uh, in the camo. Hogan again. And so, yes. Okay. It looks bad like... news. Bad news was on there. Okay, wait. Let me see that. Uh, okay, I, that one. I don't know if that's on YouTube separately. I'm, I'm guessing yes, it so... is, or it was before this person put together this compilation. But yeah. So yeah, Arsenio definitely had a lot of WF people on this show. So okay, that is up go. separately. There are actually two different uploads of it. So. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's anything in here that's not in the individual uploads, but it's good to know. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to more SummerSlam-related stuff. Both Helen Hart, Brett's mother, and Dinah Hart-Smith, Davey Boy's wife and Brett's sister, were interviewed on TV pushing the Hart Bulldog matches. They're pushing the family angle big time. They were in-set interviews during matches. So yes. that's why we're not playing them here. Uh, the promotion high for SummerSlam has been excellent. It'll be really interesting to see how a pay-per-view does with a new public negative attitude towards pay-per-view stemming from the Olympics, which just died. Plus no Hulk Hogan. Oh, yes. The Olympic triple cast, and that was a disaster. 
Oh, was that a disaster? Okay. So there's something from our week that I just found. I can't figure out if they're saying this was sent by Titan as a joke or it's something that was written for the magazine. So this is this is from the July 27th issue of Ad Age with Michael Schrage as the credited author. Um, well, it's and, almost in our almost in our week. Oh, when does it? Oh, well, okay. We haven't recorded the first segment. If you remembered our week, no. If you remember our week started July 28th, but go ahead, close enough. Well, that's not the usual week, because that's not the Wednesday. Well, we have a day difference. Okay, well, we still, we did the, we did, we didn't see this last week. There's a thing in Ad Age about a mem, it says it's a, okay, how are they phrasing this? Uh, the following fictitious memo from Titan Entertainment was intended for General Electric Company Chairman Jack Welch on the matter of NBC and Cablevision's pay-per-view Olympic Games to Triplecast. Copy of the note was obtained by Out There, which I guess is the column which offers it unedited for public comment. So are they saying this was written up as an internal joke at Titan? I think it's just a joke, period. I, that's my gut, but it's weirdly explained. And then there's this whole thing that's basically writ from the perspective of being written to Jim Dolan and the head of General Electric, Jack Welch, is like, what the hell are you doing? Well, Jim Dolan's a joke anyway, so there's that. Yes. So, ah, uh, the triple cast... Yeah, if you haven't heard about that, read about that. That's a, all right, on the upside, they're doing a tremendous job of hyping the major matches, making it seem like an international major event because of the location. Every time Dave sees what a great job they're doing that aspect, aspect basically that WCW is nearly two years to beat them to the punch in that same vein, it basically adored the opportunity. Well, we talked about that before. WCW had a chance to really do something in that European market, England, and they went over there. And they never took advantage of it like they could have. Especially since they had the better TV deal. Yeah, there's that too. They were on network TV. Worldwide mm -hmm. was on, it was on ITV, I think, in most parts of the UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> they, they, they had it, you know, set up, but just didn't, just didn't work out in their favor because it's WCW, everybody. Mm-hmm. And SummerSlam, I mean, yes, they made this SummerSlam seem ma majorly important. As important as they've had in a, in a SummerSlam, I would say, because of it being in Wembley Stadium. Yes. So, and Wembley Stadium was kind of in the, the conscience because, all right, when's the Freddie Mercury tribute show? Ooh. I'm looking. All right, that would be... April. April, yeah. So that's just happened, and that was a big deal. So, and Wimbley's Wimbley anyway, but still, that's a big deal. It's still in public consciousness. So, all right, let's go to the torch on WTV this weekend. Hawk said a SummerSlam interview during a SummerSlam interview that he was going to beat Ted DiBiase up so badly he was never going to want to wrestle in the WF ever again. This should add fuel to the fire of the DiBiase jump into WCW rumors. Well, some of this is right. Let's go to the clip. <laughs> the 
that SummerSlam again! It's that time of year, and you, Money Incorporated, you may not have the titles on you, but we're gonna beat something out of you worth more than titles to us! It's your pride! And when we get done with you, you ain't gonna wanna come back to the WWF anymore! Tell them, huh? Well, I can just imagine now putting a bear hug on Money Incorporated, either one of them, and hearing them going, like a pig on his way to the slaughterhouse! Welcome, Great Britain! Pause. Hawk never said anything about Ted DiBiase. Adam was the one that said it, and he said it in a different type of way than what it was being put in the torch. So how in the hell did Wade get this as wrong as he got it? Hell if I know. <laughs> I mean, that's why I put it in there. I put it in the notes. So, so like, this is uh, <laughs> it's pretty wrong. Yeah, wild. But yeah, there was the rumors about DiBiase going to WCW and all that stuff. So that is an interesting statement Animal made that would get people buzzing that yeah. were in the know. So, all right. Um, Tito Santana is replacing Kerry Von Erich in his SummerSlam match with Papa Shango. So Kerry is uh, not long for the WF world no. here. Now, on the television show, they aired on August 2nd in London. They were still pushing tickets for Wembley Stadium and still being available. There's something really fishy going on, and it's in England, not Denmark. Let's figure this out. We're supposed to believe they sold 70,000 tickets in the first day, but now five weeks later, they still haven't sold another 10,000 tickets, let alone those original reports that everywhere selling out the entire building in four hours. Well, WCW exaggerated about ticket sales in Japan for the NWA tournament, but WF gets their money's worth. Meanwhile, Variety Magazine had put beats where Ed Cohen claimed they sold 82,000 tickets to Wimbledon Stadium in one day. Again, this is Variety Magazine, and they're running this story as this matter of fact. What? Uh, <laughs> I am looking uh, to see, because I pulled up the article. What exactly does it say here? Um... Okay, here's the WWF part. So the article is Wrestling Biz Now a Two-Circuit Grudge Match, which it talks about Watts being made VP in WCW. And then we have WWF, which so we, it says still on top. So they talk about WrestleMania at the Hoosier Dome, and Ed Cohn gives the attendance. And then they say, what's missing of late, though, is the kind of hoopla that surrounded the WWF's activities as it rose to the, become... The predominant, excuse me, dominant force in professional wrestling, says Steve Planamenta, director of corporate communications. We may not be, may not be the ultra hot item we were five years ago, but that's because we're now part of the mainstream enter- American entertainment diet, and because of that, we're fighting for the same dollars as a lot of other touring entertainment. Hmm. Insert wanking motion here. Um, <laughs> Planamenta maintains the WWS business is still strong on a year-round basis. But he concedes that the circuit is increasingly subject to seasonal variations. For example, it's been a big summer for country music, he says. Country music fans are a big part of our audience. If Garth Brooks is coming to town, one of our fans might ask himself, am I going to take advantage of this opportunity to see Garth Brooks, or am I going to see the WWF, which I know will be back in a few months? (laughs) What was it that Paul Bosch said? Oh, he gives every possible excuse, and then he tells Dave... And then he says, I wanted you to tell you all of them now so you would hear all of them and you, wouldn't, you would know all of them were nonsense. 
the truth is I put on a main event that people didn't want to see. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yes. Um, and then talk about overseas. The fourth edition of SummerSlam, two words, another annual pay-per-view extravaganza that generally goes to a northeastern venue, was held this year at Wembley Stadium near London. Held? It's not for a month. Uh, Cohen reports that some 82,000 seats were sold in one day. And then they talk about how various arena managers are looking to start renting to both promotions now. <laughs> Lord. Uh, it, it's interesting, too. Like, if you look through some of the coverage, they were initially saying the sellout stuff on UK TV as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, just looking at this, too, the same issue of Variety has an ad from the World Wrestling Federation, Chris. Oh, really? Yes, let's see what this says. It's got the Ultimate Warrior, well, the new look Ultimate Warrior, the WWF, the Ultimate Family Sports Entertainment, the Ultimate Ticket Seller. The World Wrestling Federation presents more than 800 live events each year in over 300 venues throughout the United States, Canada, Europe, and the Far East. And each year, over 8 million paying fans enjoy WWF live events. Our sales strategy? We offer quality sports slash entertainment package supported by effective marketing. The ultimate merchandiser. Our fans are hungry for WWF t-shirts, programs, and novelties. Because of the demand, we have developed an ever-changing array of quality souvenir items. The result? Millions of loyal WWF fans generate some of the highest, quote-unquote, per caps in the industry. The ultimate entertainer. For booking information, contact Ed Cohn, Vice President Arena Bookings, 203, etc., etc., etc. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. Don't believe for a second any rumors of Ric Flair jumping at WCW at this point. Let's go to the torch. Whatever happens at SummerSlam, Ric Flair is supposed to be a major angle, and the biggest involving player since he's joined WWF. No word on what it is, but it may not involve feuding Mr. Perfect. It may or may not involve him turning babyface. Well, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, it may not involve you, Mr. Perfect. And it may or may not involve him turning babyface. Well, what the fuck is it? Nothing. There is Nothing. no angle. He just shows up in his robe with Perfect, and they try to stir shit up. Yes. A, a huge waste of Ric Flair. Yeah. Don't believe for a second any rumors of Ric Flair jumping WCW at this point. Well... As we talked about earlier in the show, uh, when the boss of WCW is openly saying that, then, <laughs> yeah, stuff's going on. Let's put it that way. All right. Speaking of, there was a jump, though, we can talk about. Off also definitely jumped as he refereed the tug of war between the heel wrestlers and bodybuilders, which the wrestlers went two or three when Eddie Biasi paid Bill Alfonso off. Nobody did the job in this one, which would have consisted of being dragged into the water. This was the uh, took a warm WBF Body Stars, which we played on a previous episode of the show. The final episode of Body Stars. Yeah, and which Bill Alfonso, I mean, how about that? Bill Alfonso's first day of appearances in that skit. Wild. I forgot that it was a draw, though. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the, the wrestlers won. Uh, it was a draw. Okay. Well, the wrestlers won. I mean, but nobody did the job. Oh, that they didn't get pulled in all the way, you mean? Yes. Okay. Right, they did. They, they let go of the rope. They didn't get pulled into the water. Yes. All right, let's talk about house shows. July 31st in Los Angeles. 
through 7,700 as Virgil pinned Skinner, star and a half. Boss man over nails by DQ, star and a quarter. Legion of Doom and Paul Ellering over the Belly Brothers and the Genius, star and a half. Macho over Nature Boy, three and a half stars. Tito Santana over Kato, dud. And, and that's why Savage Arsenio. He did Arsenio and then worked the house show that night. Uh, Undertaker over Berserker, half a star. And Natural Disasters of Money Ain't by DQ, quarter of a star. Well, if it went for Savage and Flair, good Lord of mercy. Uh, August 1st. And, all right. So they're in Los Angeles on July 31st. Let's go to the Nassau Coliseum on August the 1st, which drew 6,000 fans. Shawn Michaels over Butch of the Bushwhackers. Luke over the Brooklyn Brawler. Nasty Boys over High Energy. Tatanka over Rip Martell. Crush of Sergeant Slaughter over the Mountie and Repo Man. Bret Hart over Kamala by DQ. And Savage over Flair with Duggan as the referee. So Savage and Flair went from L.A. to Long Island. Back-to-back days. How about that? Yeah, fun. August 2nd, Philly in front of 6,000. Crush over the Berserker. High Energy over Nasty Boys. Mountie over Slaughter. Savage over Flair with Duggan as ref. Tatanka over Martell. Bushwhackers over Michaels and the Repo Man. And Brett over Kamala by disqualification. I wonder what the reason is for doing main events as the show closer at Nassau more than other arenas. Because I'm guessing that since it wasn't a normal TV type deal, even though they're not televised in Philadelphia and done it in, you know, in years, they still kept that same pattern. I don't know. Or is curfew related? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, or uh, maybe, honestly, maybe they feel like it's more of a fam. I don't know if that would matter. Family audience in the suburbs. I don't, I don't know. August 2nd, the other crew was in the cow palace. Interstate 500 in Frisco as Virgil Penn Skinner, dud. Tito over Kato, one star. Undertaker over the Berserker, one star. Natural Zestors of Money Eat by DQ, three quarters of a star. LOD and Ellering over the Beverly Brothers and the Genius, one star. Boston over Nails by DQ, dud. And Warrior over Papa Shango, dud. So the house show's not looking good, which is another reason why their house shows are shit. And they're not drawing that great. I mean, these, these numbers are okay. They're going to get worse, but. Still, they're not yeah. what they were. All right. Um, mean Gene interviewed Nails on the August 2nd episode of Wrestling Challenge. Always a highlight to hear Nails. So let's go to uh, one Gene Mean and Nails. And my guest this week is the former jailbird, the heart. I guess Vince told him to start saying my guest at this time. <laughs> ex-convict. You know him as Nails. Nails. Never heard of a softened ex-convict, have you, Brain? Look at the look on that kisser. Boy, the hatred inside that man. Hates the big boss man, hates society for the unwrong that did him. He definitely was not rehabilitated, I could tell that. <laughs> Just a couple parking tickets they had him for. Would you stop? You know, it is interesting that, of all people, I don't know what he was looking like before he got the gimmick at the time. It is interesting that they went with pre-boy body guy, Mr. Magnificent, for nails. Yeah. But where? how much had he even been wrestling in the interim? Not a whole lot. Anyway. You know, everybody recalls that absolutely brutal and vicious beating... 
that you administered to the big boss man, Nails. Ooh, there's a Vince word, administered. Mm -hmm. Yes, you broke him, but not for good. You didn't get the job done because for your information, Nails, the big boss man is back. <laughs> I'm glad you're coming back. What a voice. I'm glad you're coming back for another beating. Last time I left you laying in the ring. Boss man, you were one inch from being put away. When I left you lying in the ring, I took everything away from you. I took your pride. I took your dignity. And I took your nightstick. Boss man, get ready for the next beating because this time I'm finishing Oh, man. Should have thought about that for the first time. Wait a minute, Nails. There is other business. Signed for SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium in London, England. You have a very worthy opponent because one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to be facing... Virgil. Virgil. Uh-oh. So sorry for Virgil. Some interference here on the tape. Yeah. Virgil, where I've been for the past few years, there's an unwritten rule. Nobody sticks their nose in somebody else's business. Virgil. When you come into the ring at SummerSlam, you're stuck to your nose in my business for the last time. And no one, not even the big boss man, can help you when I'm through with you. Not even boss man. Tormented. The guy needs psychiatric help. I agree with you on that, Monsoon. And maybe a tracheotomy, too. That man is insane <laughs> and dangerous. Uh, I just love hearing the nails talking gimmick. <laughs> you mean even the voice that he did not actually use when he was cutting the promos because it's distorted carefully? Yes, yes. Let me see if I can find one of those indie promos. Or you hear him without the gimmick. Okay, here we go. This, oh no, this is not an indie promo. Oh, there was the only one that we've seen where his voice is not distorted is like it's it was from NWA Grand Slam or something, right? Yeah. Let me see. And nails NWA. So, but they weren't doing it in real time, right? In the arena, he sounded like Kevin Wackles, right? 
I think so. I mean, how do you do that? He's not visibly using anything like Kane would use or anything. Okay. Uh, I, I, the whole show is up. Where is his match on the show? Who does he? I mean, I should I should just fast forward until I see bright orange. What am I talking about? Let's see. Come on. He's on here, isn't he? Who does he wrestle? Hawk? Or no, Hawk said he Gilbert. Who does Nails wrestle? And is the promo not on here? It doesn't look like it. Oh, well, all right. We, we get the gist. Or I'm thinking of something else, but unless it was before an earlier match or something. But but anyway. He sounds like just a guy from Minnesota, either way. Well, he sounds like Kevin Wackles. Yes. All right, to close out, there's even more indication that the WBF is about to be no more. In the videotape convention in Las Vegas this past week, the Coliseum video display contained no talk, no packages, no bodybuilders, no nothing, indicating a sign of life from the WBF. Coliseum had several WBF stars, including Warrior, Undertaker, and Duggan. Lines for the Warrior were much shorter than in years past, while there was no interest in Duggan. The Turner booth had some wrestling stuff, but little of it was visible. They sent Missy High and Jimmy Bad, although there was no publicity for their appearance. Herb Averill's also had a booth and sent Paul Orndorff, who had a real strong line to see him. Steve Ray and started S.C. Williams. Hey. Well, well what we, I mean, Paul Dorndorf is is from the WrestleMania, the game WrestleMania and that whole thing. So he's going to be more known. Yeah. WWF had Warrior Undertaker and Duggan, which, you know, Duggan's been around. Warrior's been around a little while by this point in time. But Orndorff was there for the, I mean, he was part of the first boom, a major part of it. So, of course, he's going to have that, uh, you know, that that type of people that, that would be at this convention when the big boom started that would be into seeing him. So. So, yeah. But uh, you think I catch your eye on that, Bix? With the VSTA? Yeah. Um... No more WBF, which I mean, I think everybody knew that by this point in time. It's done. It's over. I forget, is the magazine gone yet? Yeah, we, we 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 talked about that on, on the show we did before this week we're doing here. Okay, so yeah. yeah. That, it's, we knew, but it's becoming clear that there is uh, no signs of life in the World uh, Bodybuilding Federation. Not at all. All right, well, that is it for us. Next week on Between the Sheets, we go back to 1989. And we'll be talking about Dave Meltzer attending a television taping in the Bay Area, where he gives a full rundown of all, how many of this guy here? All 31 matches on that show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and other details from things that happened at that taping, including another incident with World Wrestling Federation and fans. So we'll have that. We'll have news on uh, Zeus to talk about. Hulk Hogan returned to house shows after an injury. The beginning of the marathon matches between the Rockers and the Rougeos and more. And uh, the Bobby Heenan show comes to an end on August 7th. So we'll talk about the last Bobby Heenan show as well next week, which uh, we'll definitely be playing close to that. Which episode is that? Which guests? Heather Hunter. Uh, that's what I was about to ask. Okay. All right, we go to Japan, where uh, we talk about uh, Giant Baba and Gong Magazine having a riff. And we'll talk about that. New Japan has the Russians, so we'll be talking about them and other things going on there. 
Then we have, of course, Mexico. Talk about we got some stampede. Where stuff's going on there. Carlos Colon returns from a shoulder injury in Puerto Rico. We'll talk about that. Then we go to the uh, indie scene, the rest of the territories. We'll have um, the Rock and Roll Express returning in Memphis. Robert Gibson returning with Ricky Morton. So we'll talk about that. Plus a wild and wacky Mid-South Coliseum card. The end of world-class championship wrestling. Eric Amber versus P.Y. Chu High. The big one. We'll talk about that. Then we'll have news on the AWA Team Challenge concept. We got some wacky Portland stuff. And we have the National Wrestling Alliance, where Ric Flair is now the chairman of the booking committee. Ricky Steamboat's left the company. And we have all kinds of other news and notes and clips from there involving a wild-ass episode of the Power Hour featuring Funk's Grill with Norman and some crazy-ass fucking fans in New Orleans during a Sting, Dr. Dev versus Terry Funk, Terry Gordy match, and all kinds of other wackiness from the NWA. And right now, we don't have a guest plan because I've asked three people, and they've all said they couldn't do it. So, okay, well, we'll talk about that later, then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so we... May not have a guess. We may have a guess. Who knows? But anyway, that's next week on Between the Sheets. All right, Bix, thanks as always. You're the rock of the show. This is Chris says so long from the Peach State of Georgia. Between the Sheets Patreon Special Edition number 70. I'm your host, Chris Zona, joined as always by my co-host, David Bixen, Span and Bix. It's time to close it out. Part four of Titan Gate 1992. And uh, wow, <laughs> the day we're recording this is the day that uh, on Monday, July 25th, 2022, the Triple H has been installed as the head of creative. Vincent Man made over $150 million today in stocks. <laughs> during the yes. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, the other, I mean, the really important thing is it's the day the quarterly uh, 8K report came out where they basically said that 
So WWE is claiming when people reach out that Vince paid his hush money payments himself, but that because it, it benefited the company, it doesn't really matter, I guess is what they're saying. And so his hush money payments are now being recorded as company spending, and they're redoing old books. So that explains, yes, that also we're recording this a few days after he announced his quote-unquote retirement, which is phrased as a resignation in the SEC filing as well. Yeah, but he made $150 million today. <laughs> yeah. So even when, even, even in adversity, this man still wins. <laughs> well, Amazing. So. Amazing how that works. So, yes, it's time to talk, go back 30 years to 1992, part four, Titan Gate. We're going to figure out where we left off in June. Rick Garner and Bill Conkle's Rust Radio Show in Las Vegas this past Sunday interview, Cheryl Vasquez, the 45-year-old upstate New York housewife who picketed the Titan matches last week at Poughkeepsie. Vasquez claimed that one of the cars driven by Derek Rustler when he arrived to the building and saw a protest and tried to run her over. I wonder who that was. She also said that WWF wrestler's name she wouldn't mention, but said it was one of the biggest stars in the company, was very friendly and apologized for the behavior of some of the other wrestlers. Well. All right, spotlight on Joe Vasquez. The following conversation took place July 12th on Rick Carter and Bill Kunkel's Russell Talk Radio Show in Las Vegas. So I have to be Bill Kunkel and Rick Carter, I guess? Um, sure. I'll okay. be Cheryl. <laughs> All right, so we start with uh, Kunkel. When this whole ring boy sex scandal broke, the thing that amazed me was the total blasé attitude that most WWF fans seemed to have towards this thing. It was just, I think, all kind of jumbled together with steroids. There was no negative response other than obviously people staying home, which the WWF caused on their own. That really is the this is excuse me this is really is the first protest we've seen. And then Rick chimes in with, "Let's go ahead and bring Cheryl on. Cheryl, are you there?" Yeah, hi, I'm here. How did this whole protest get started? Well, actually, you can't hate anything until you loved it at first. And I guess you could say we were WWF's biggest fans years ago, but over the years we've become so offended and outraged. You know, with a lot of different issues. He brought down minorities and made fun of homosexuals and even affected my own children. I have three sons. The oldest is 25. And I even suspected maybe he was doing steroids because he's got a big, beautiful body that all my boys have been trying to get for years. I must discredit myself here because I'm part of the problem, I guess, because I love wrestling and my mentality. Look at those muscles. Look at those muscles. I feel I spent so much money over the years on WWF. I just didn't have the right to complain about it anymore if I didn't do something about it when I got the chance. So I did. And although the protest was small, the end result was beyond our farthest dreams. How many videos? Describing her son, describing her son with a big, beautiful body. That's yeah, that did strike me as weird, too, but... How many individuals were involved in the protest? Well, there were just five. Three started out. We got permission from the city of Poughkeepsie. They gave us our guidelines, told us what we could do, what we couldn't do. We followed them to the letter. It was very peaceful. We had eight or ten different signs related to the scandals. One that said, where's Mel, Terry, and Pat if they're not guilty? One said, sex, drugs, lies, scandals, and child abuse. I happen the person knows something about that, or I wouldn't have put that in. Now okay. Bill chimes in with Cheryl. You knew quite a few of the ring boys in the upstate New York area. Yes, I did. So this was more of a personal issue to you. It's very personal to me, and I don't really like to talk about it because I've turned everything over to the authorities. They're investigating this, and I feel the kids I knew are victims. I called just the other day to one of them to ask him why he didn't come to our protest. 
because he said he might do it. He told me he may get his ring job back because he'd been in touch with suspending Rick, the ring announcer and ring crew chief Mel Phillips himself. He told me he was not allowed to talk to me anymore. I said, what do you mean you can't talk to me? He told me he wished he could tell me everything, but he couldn't. He seemed me under terrible pressure. I asked him different questions, different names. He informed me he was in touch with the attorney chairman at Pittsburgh that very morning. This was Friday, just last Friday, and he couldn't talk to me anymore about it. But I think the damage he said has already been done. It's already been handed over to the authorities. Was this individual a minor? He was 14 years old when I met him. But I mean now, in this conversation you had with him last week. Well, he's 2021 20, now. Okay, but you taped a conversation with him? Well... Or you had a conversation with him? I had a conversation with him. That was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I think it comes out that she has been prone to taping conversations. Um, I have something that I have, I think, that Phil had. I have a transcript of a conversation he had with her, but I don't think there's anything we need in there. Um, still interesting. Um, go back to Bill. What kind of reaction did you get from the WWF people, wrestlers, fans in general to the protest? Well, at first, you know, I was a little leery. A lot of the mothers had tickets in their hands. So they were going to buy tickets there. It was like conscious check time for the mothers. We weren't trying to prevent you know, from going in. I mean, those are part of our guidelines. We had a very big effect. One mother stood out in particular. She had two sons with her, and they also had friends with them. She came up to us and told us she had heard about these alleged scandals, but the kids didn't see or didn't know anything about them. The only thing they knew about was Hulk Hogan that he had lied on our senior hall show. Just couldn't believe that one bit salon could harbor so many sick employees. She said this had been a major corporation here in Dutchess County that the people, that the media would have just covered it all over the place. But she really wasn't even aware of the damaging images this new character, Razor Ramon, has. Uh-oh. She doesn't watch the superstars and wrestling challenge TV shows. She admitted that, you know, the kids watch it. It's like a babysitter, the television. But she did vow to watch it that weekend, which is an episode when Ramon took fruit and told the kids they didn't need school or books to be like him, that they should take what they want. She said it's going to be a major priority this summer to deprogram her kids. Being that summer was here, the team wasn't on that much anyway. Lots of parents asked for our numbers and everything. In fact, we would have been in the Meadowlands last night, and this is a fact. We had nobody police ahead of time. We had such a huge reaction to this that I we're new to this, and I don't know how to... Go back and get some people together to do this. We're not through yet. We're only just begun. The kids. Editor's note. I believe Vasco is referring to the four members of their friend crew in the Poughkeepsie area. Thought it would be great fun to be at a protest. All of them had something. A major crap about one thing or another about WF. They even said they would go to Stanford, Connecticut. The wrestlers were another story. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say any names. Should I say a name? Sure, go ahead. Well, I don't know which one he was, but the Nasty Boys came and saw us carrying our signs, and we were on the side while we were supposed to be moving constantly. They tried to run us over. They put their accelerators to the gas and laughed. They yelled the city at us. I'm a mother, okay, and this isn't right to do. There were crowds of kids with their parents. The security was there. Jerry Sagnanovich sags, so disgusting and abusive verbally, a lot of parents just shook their heads and said, gee. I wish the kids wouldn't have seen this, but I guess it's good that they did. And they shook their heads and supported us after the scene. There's another wrestler there, very, 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 very well-known one. He was very sympathetic and supportive. In fact, he even tried to calm, quiet down Sags and Skinner the Swamp Thing. Steve Kern, yeah? 
Yeah, he told them that he, we weren't being abusive. We were no threat to them. We had our civil rights, too, and they should be quiet. He actually tried to quiet them down. He's a very well-known wrestler. But Saganovich was horrible. There was also a mere ring rat girl that I had known. <laughs> she pulled up on the sidewall with her mercury sable and tried to back it over on me. And she went through the back door, too, with several other dear friends of Vincent Mann's that allegedly worked for them. <laughs> Bring wow. that girl. <laughs> try to try to run over. <laughs> oh, that, that is crazy. Going in through the back door, that ring rat. Uh, they cook for you. They'll keep you company. They'll try to run over protesters with their mercury sable. <laughs> oh my god. See, I mean, it's such a shame that, you know, the wrestlers decided to use such a derogatory name for women who were so loyal to them, you know, but still, very, that, that's, a, that, that's quite some loyalty to the, to the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> not even to any specific wrestlers. Anyway. I know, I'll ask Marvez a question here, Bix. Yeah, okay, he didn't make that clear in the intro. Uh, I was wondering if you're going to be at Long Island August 1st at the Nassau County Coliseum. The reason being that is WWF's hottest spot in the country right now. Alex, that's also a bit difficult because I've never been down there myself. We have to figure out how to get us all down there. It's just not me anymore. And I urge anyone that's within listening distance, you parents out there, unite. We have a little like Ghostbusters logo with a red circle and a WF's in the middle. Just wear that and you can get in there on your own. I'm really not familiar with that area, but I think for the long run, Mr. Man's recycling his trash and taking it to England. We're really going to go for him when he comes back to the States. It may take a little longer because now there are a lot of people involved. I just don't know how to do this. I'm only one person. Now Rick comes back in with, I understand the police came out at some point? They came out about four times. The official, and I don't know who he was, and I usually know all of them, a short, heavyset man with black hair came out of a big white church limousine and said, get them the hell out of here. The road agent, Tony Gurria, was standing here. The police have come by four times, and this police official even said the Civic Center owns the sidewall, which is the only place where we were allowed to protest. That is where all the wrestlers park. Four times police came, and they were just checking to make sure nobody was getting violent with us. And then we had permission. The officers told the WF they were sorry, but there was nothing they could do about it because they had the right to be there. They did everything in their power to get rid of us, including telling us they owned the sidewalk. They wanted to see our permit. We did not need a permit because there weren't that many people there. The security supported us, though. It's supposed to be a privately owned civic center by Poughkeepsie businessmen. They claim to be a nonprofit organization. Also, one supporter could come to the protest, but did call a local newspaper here and told them about it. They said, oh, well, gee, you know, we're in a hurry because of the holiday weekend. Now, mind you, this was July 2nd, but they wanted to get out early. They're only half a block down the road from the civic center, but they didn't want to cover it. I've been touching them to see if they would do any stories about only these alleged scandals, which, you know, is a chalk sport. They've never done anything about it. Mm-hmm. There's your I, mindset. Right yep. I understand the WWF had not been in Poughkeepsie in a year before this show. About a year, yeah. There was a little independent card slated with Abdul the Butcher and the Sheik. It mysteriously was canceled. That's two weeks later, it's announced on the day it was coming in. They had been here for several years. It used to do TV tapings there. Huh. Okay, I'm curious now when they had last been there. Um, you know, quit doing TV tapings there in 86. I know okay. they ran some house shows. Okay, there was a September twelfth, ninety one house show. Uh, there was a G okay. There were 
Four shows in 90. So if she's talking about a gap, it would have been a bigger gap, right? I mean, it would have been earlier. Yeah. A um, few shows in, 90, in 89. She could just be remembering wrong. Could be. Bunch of shows in 88. Yeah. Because at this point, then, it's just a two-year gap. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think she's remembering that wrong. Yeah, she, probably. Yeah, because I see shows in 87, yeah. So, I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, so, all right, my turn now is Bo Kunkel. Cheryl, when did you find out about these things that were going wrong in the World Wrestling Federation? Was it through newsletters or through the media, or was it something you had a hunch about a long time ago? Well, I had a hunch about it. I got involved in it because there were several young ring boys, and we befriended because I would take a lot of the kids to the back with the rest used to come in. We have a scrapbook about a foot high filled with pictures and autographs. Anyway, I met these ring boys, and they came from, I guess you could say, dysfunctional families. They ride their bikes there. I always had a great big old car. So they would ask me, oh, Mrs. V, can we put our bike in the trunk of your car? And I said, sure. So I went in the trunk, and they had to wait for them to get the rings down so they get their bikes back. And every single time we knew the restaurants for us to go to afterwards, this man himself would go to the Seacrest Diner down on Wappinger Falls, and we'd always go there and have a hamburger and a soda with the kids, hoping that a wrestler would pass by and say something nice to them. All the time, Mel Phillips was there with the Marine Boys. I bumped into them many times during my travel shopping, and I was asking, gee, why are you always with Mel Phillips? Oh, well, we stayed at the so-and-so motel here, you know, on Route 9, this and that. And I say, but why? You live in Poughkeepsie. Mel treats us good. Mel's good to us. They were kind of unprotective about him. Over the past six months, I've learned a lot of things that weren't right. When I suspected something was going on with the boys, I had told some. They say their employees, Vincent Mann, I don't know if they're scouts or what, but I do have proof that they work for him in a small capacity. He used to come over here, many cups of, get many cups of tea, and tell me things that were going on. They had free run of what used to be in the Greenwich, Connecticut, and now Stanford. They told me about these blow-up dolls and they have officers in the closet. They nicknamed it Big John and a big sex organ. And Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon often joked about it. They told me many, many, many stories. I could write a book myself. <laughs> big John. <sighs> wow. And then Kevin Dunn hires a friend of his that had no known qualifications, and his nickname ends up being Big John. Well, his name is John. So his name is he's John, a big, and he's a large man. And he was but... a big, and he was a big man. So yeah, still but they also had Big John Stud who was working there. So yeah, they've had some Big Johns over the years. So what do you think of Cheryl Vasquez? Probably having never heard her name before this. I mean, she seems genuine, at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the most interesting thing to come out of this is the stuff about these were all local kids, but they're staying at the hotel with the wrestlers. Yes. And she's like, why are you doing that? You live here. <laughs> why are you staying with Mel Phillips at a hotel room? Mm-hmm. So... It also kind of makes you wonder if one of her own kids wasn't part of this as well. It's just yeah, not saying that. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want to go too far with that line of discussion, but I get your point. Um, I'm just saying this part of the ring, this one, the ring boys or something that's involved. I mean, I'm just saying that involved with Mel Phillips. No, I know what you in mean. Particular, yeah. But could be one of the ring boys or could have worked in that capacity. 
Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. was touching everything. Right. But he made it, uh, definitely friends, so to speak. Yeah, but this is. And how about the Nasty Boys? Don't su- that don't surprise me. No, no, no. That it was. Them. I just wonder who the very, 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 very well-known wrestler was. The one who wasn't Steve Kern, right? Uh, shall I pull up the results? I'm... Yeah, go ahead. All right, let's see. I got an idea, and I'll say it before you read the results if he's on there. Okay, so your results? I, was, I think it. Was, I think it was Savage. Uh, he's not on the show. Okay. So your results right. are Jim Powers defeated Kato. Bob Backlund, okay, that could be one, defeated Skinner. Eh. Shawn Michaels pinned Tito Santana. Nails defeated Virgil. Rick Martel defeated Tatanka by countout. And the Ultimate Warrior and Legion of Doom defeated Papa Shango and the Nasty Boys. Okay, I will go then with... Maybe it's Hellwick! That he's much more mild-mannered with his lower steroid intake. Yeah, and he doesn't like homosexuals. What he views as homosexuals, at least. And, well, in some yes. cases, with the protests, probably actual homosexuals. But yes, I get your point. Um, I could also see it being Hawk or Animal, maybe. Yeah. Or could it be Tito? I mean, very, very, very well known, though, really. If Depending well, on how Tito literally you're taking that. years. Sure, sure. But depending on how literally you're taking that, that sounds most like, based on who's on the show, Warrior or Road Warriors. Yeah. Um... They're also in Fort Pierce that night, by the way. And was Sa- yes, yes, Savage was on that show facing Flair, defending his title. So, two different crews. Yeah, I, I think, I'm thinking Hellwick. Cause, cause, with the, with the uh, subject matter involved. Despite hate, the fact that he hates children, you mean? <laughs> well, yeah. To hear this entire show. Support Between the Sheets on Patreon for just $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash between the sheets.